Are you ready for the sacred Fire of Liberty edition of the Robert Scott Bell Show? I am every week, and we do have Jonathan Eward live and back in studio today. And there are some amazing events coming up we'll let you know about. Very exciting things happening. Uh, and one of those relates to uh, something Jonathan Eward has been dealing with in the courts for decades. And this is the Chevron decision, a boneheaded Supreme Court decision that gave deference, judicial deference to all of the agencies that violate the Constitution by often their very existence, uh, branching, crumbling up uh, all three branches into one, FDA, FTC, FCC, you name it. And we're going to talk about the Chevron decision because it might be up for uh, overturn soon and a whole lot more coming up. We've got Steve D scheduled for hour two. He'll be joining me at the We the Patriots USA event, Boise, Idaho, June 2nd and 3rd, along with many of our other friends, Brian Festa, set that up and we'll look forward to being there with you in the meantime i'm just glad to be back in studio and glad to have jonathan emord on here cranking it up for health freedom and healing liberty right about now the robert scott the bell robert show. scott bell show The voice of health, freedom, and liberty, the Robert Scott Bell Show. Yes, all the kids in you uh, know it's May the 4th be with you. May 4th, Star Wars Day. Remember that? 1977. I was only 11, and my dad took me to see this film, and I had to you know, bring it up because the kids are out there uh, that... Maybe, I don't know if they had the same kind of sense of, of, of the wonder of, of a science fiction movie like that. But there was uh, the old republic. There was interesting themes, thematic you know, elements of good versus evil uh, that have often been lost in uh, today's reality, uh, as opposed to the uh, science fiction viewpoints of uh, things that are disturbing to us. What's happening? What will they write about the past, seeing that we are uh, eliminating individual liberty and putting everybody into a collectivist mush? A lot of science fiction has been written about that. But uh, shout out to the original Star Wars because uh, the kid in me, just had a great, great uh, uh, time at that movie. Many times seeing that theater, in the theater, seeing that movie. And uh, anyway, I want to talk about restoring freedom because that's what we do each and every week with Jonathan Emord here on the Robert Scott Bell Show. And let's bring Jonathan back in, including medical freedom, the freedom to care for yourself, your loved ones, to care for your family, your friends without interference, without involvement by government at any level. What a shocking thought, Jonathan, to think that we could be autonomous and sovereign to care for our own bodies and to care for one another in charity as opposed to coercion. Yes, Robert, we live in a time where the Constitution really is hanging by a single thread and uh, it's going to require the righteous to rise up and get involved and save our country. Um, if we don't, we know where it's going to go. The direction is clear. It's underway. And the forces that are leading in that direction are substantial. So, you know, may the force be with you, Robert, and may it be with me. Yes. So, well, let's for, so for the, the, the salvation of our republic before it is replaced by a socialist dictatorship. Yeah, well, that's what we talk about, the evil empire. And I know that uh, even back in the day, remember, Reagan was using words coined from Star Wars as well. Uh, and you served in the administration in those days as well when uh, there were some libertarian ideals permeating through the Republican uh, Party at that point, particularly with Reagan. 
And a lot of a lot of these things have been lost in that in those de- ensuing decades. And I know you're here to help restore it, as we all are here in this. Sh- I think in the audience, by and large, here has been supportive of you. We've had a lot of people thrilled that you're running and supporting your efforts. And more on, by the day, everywhere I go, I'm finding more people to say, "Check out this guy, Jonathan Emord." And I, oh my gosh, how did I not know? And you're doing great there. We have emordforva.com linked up, of course. And I got to ask you about this event on May 8th. Here we are four days from this event, a medical freedom forum at Gore Meltz. And I met the guy from Gore Meltz that you helped to beat back, uh, you know, the, the, you know, the state tyranny, if you will, on him and his uh, um, company. But I see one person that I know there, Dr. Robert Verkirk. Is he actually going to be there at that event? He will. Dr. Verkirk is coming from England to this event for the very purpose of attending it and speaking at it. Um, Dr. Verkirk, if you don't know him already, you really should because he is a remarkable and steadfast advocate of liberty and health freedom and has been for years and years. And he's brilliant, uh, as you know, Robert. And oh, he's a great too. I mean, he's got a great sense of humor. Yes. But he has been, uh, you know, from the very moment this whole vax mandate thing happened in England and around the world, he has been a very strong voice for individual liberty against forced vaccination. And he's very well versed in all of the science. So his presentation uh, will be one that will be, uh, people will remember it for a very long time. Uh, also, Dr. Sheila Fury, fantastic. She's brilliant. She's very good, has always been a very strong defender of health freedom. Dr. Thomas Roselle, who is on uh, WMAL in the Washington, D.C. area, is a, a great mind and a great advocate of freedom and a person who can dissect complex issues into a form that is digestible and understandable by everybody. He's great. Then there is Matt Strickland next to me in the picture. Matt uh, is the owner of Gormelts. He stood up against uh, the government of Virginia that tried to force him to lock down uh, and he refused. And then he got prosecuted by them and they took away his license to, to sell alcohol and basically shut down his whole operation with some 25 state police coming in to do a raid. And uh, he then hired me and I came in there and the good news is he has his alcohol license back. All of the alcohol they confiscated has been returned and uh, there's no prosecution of him or any of his employees by the Commonwealth's attorney. So that was a slam dunk. We petitioned Governor Yunkin over that and the governor did issue an executive order that really helped us a lot. We used that as leverage against the ABC board. Oh, it was it was great meeting him at the uh, tour we did in Virginia uh, that week, and what a nice man! He's also running for a, I guess a, a local or state office. Yeah, yeah. So that he's running for the the uh, state senate. Mm-hmm. In fact, voting is underway right now. So if you live in his district, you know the man to vote for, Matt Strickland, for state senate. He would be a magnificent senator. In fact, we're working together on a number of pieces of legislation not least of which is election integrity legislation that will be he will introduce upon entering the Senate. So it's it's a it's a way to save the state of Virginia in a big way. And I'll be helping him 100 percent. I back him 100 percent. Good guy. I meet him. I met him. 
great war hero. He, he uh, was a combat veteran in Iraq and Afghanistan, a very heroic individual and a person who uh, really deserves everyone's support. He stood up against uh, Leviathan and he beat them. <laughs> yeah, I, I, he's a real warrior bringing it back home, realizing that uh, whether you're overseas or, or domestically, uh, to, to defend the Constitution does not mean standing up for tyranny at home. It means standing up against tyranny at home and uh, beating it back for that which we've lost already, much less preventing further uh, tyrannical uh, events occurring on our shores, and including under the Biden administration, their, their intent, of course, is to uh, expand the WHO-type treaty to give basic uh, control over our national and state sovereignty, which is bizarre regarding uh, future pandemic declarations. Uh, that alone is is bad. But then again, you've got this senator from Virginia that you were, you will replace in the coming election, uh, who is a Hillary Clinton lackey, who is all for anything that degrades individual liberty and bodily autonomy. Yeah, he has a long record of being an also-ran, voting in favor of any far left piece of legislation advocated by Chuck Schumer and by uh, Joe Biden. Uh, and, you know, he never saw a trillion plus spending bill that he hasn't voted for. He also has taken this very odd position. He, he's, he's a dodger. You know, if there's a controversial issue and the media wants him to say what his position is, he frequently just dodges the question. So when he was asked about uh, his position on uh, uh, trans, transgender people entering girls' sports and women's sports, he uh, punted. You know, he said, well, I, I, the last two weeks I've been across Virginia and no one's talking about that. No one's talking about that, as if that's an explanation for his position. But apparently, of course, he's going to vote against the bill that was passed by the House, it's before the Senate now, uh, that would protect girls' and women's sports from uh, biological males competing with them, uh, destroying the sport and, and, and also ruining chances for scholarships and so forth for girls and women. But the big point is that uh, he dodged the question. And uh, the other big point about uh, Kane is that the dodging of questions is really a rather normal thing for him to do. He, he, said, he said it wasn't an issue, this, this issue of uh, women, uh, biological males and women's sports. But what's so interesting here, the two weeks he's talking about are two weeks that you know, I was crossing Virginia, I was talking all over Virginia, and I was talking to very large groups of people. Well, in Williamsburg, when I spoke before the Williamsburg Breakfast Club, <coughs> excuse me, the, um, uh, these women got up and said that uh, there were trans athletes trying to uh, enter the girls' swim team, and it would totally destroy the girls' swim team, and they were explaining their, their angst about that, and it had been a regular issue that they were confronting down there, and they had written to Kane and to uh, Mark Warner. So here you have, I had direct proof contradicting what he said, that he wasn't, he, no one was talking about that in Virginia. I, I was with you and I saw people bringing it up and, and being fired up when you talked about it. Don't tell me no one's bringing it up, right? It's, it's all over the place. I mean, look, in Loudoun County, Virginia, next uh, semester, or when, when they get back to school after the summer, I mean, they are going to have unisex bathrooms. And, and this is just ruinous, I mean, to pr 
privacy and particularly girls and privacy uh, issues as well as the fact that they had a rape in one of the bathrooms where they let a biological male into the bathroom who was wearing a skirt in a Loudoun County High School. And then they moved him to another high school, which is insane. He should have been kicked out of the school system. Yeah. He was put in a, and prosecuted. But instead, they put him in another school uh, and he raped another girl in another school. And that now they're talking about Loudoun County spent money to actually redesign all the bathrooms to be uni bathrooms for both genders and to uh, think that that's not going to cause more rapes and that's not going to cause. I mean, this one woman told me that her daughter was so upset about the allowing biological males into the girl's bathroom that she wouldn't go to the bathroom and she was suffering uh, UTIs as a consequence. So her mother had to take her out of the schools and now is home teaching her because she can't put her in public school because the girl's so petrified of what might happen to her in the girl's bathroom because they're letting biological males into the girl's bathroom. They're letting biological males onto the sports teams and they're ruining, you know, you, no one but a fool thinks that a male who, who ordinarily typically has greater muscle mass is, is ordinarily faster. Like for example, if you're playing tennis, I mean, any, everybody just look at, compare a, a uh, professional tennis team comprised of women, professional women's tennis players, professional men's tennis players, the speed of that ball from the men is substantially faster than it is from the women. And so it is so unfair. It's, it's grossly unfair. Here we achieved under Title IX, the education amendments to the Civil Rights Act, an opportunity for over 40 years for women to have their own sports and girls to have their own sports and to excel in them and have scholarships related to them. And it was a whole universe of development for women athletes that enabled them to, to excel. Now, all of a sudden, they're allowing biological males into uh, the, the uh, women's sports, and it is really ruining the chances, opportunities for women to prevail in sports and to compete. And that's just, it's just a terrible idea. It's all around bad idea. And we ought to amend Title IX, and I'll do this when I get in there, if it's not already done. Yeah. To, to exclude biological males from girls and women's sports. I mean, it, it, they should, they, they certainly can compete with men. They have the same physical structure as men. Why don't they compete with men? And the real answer is that in competition with men, many of these guys simply can't uh, beat the males, yeah. but they can beat females. So they want to be in girls sports, wreck the girls sports and be the title holders yeah. for, for girls sports. Well, it's, this bring, brings up Another issue, Jonathan, that was very well received in every place we went and you spoke about it. Um, the idea of, of uh, transitioning children, medical butchery, you know, and you have the perspective, as do I. Look, if you're an adult of sound mind, you have the ability to make the choices that, you know, could be horrific to us, but it, it's your choice. But to do this for children, even I don't I'll have to guess you were not a big fan of Kiss, the rock band. Remember Kiss? They wore the makeup growing up. I, I wasn't. I wasn't a big fan of my, one of my best friends was, and I was like, I don't get it. What is, what is all the hullabaloo about kiss? Then I went to one of their concerts like, Oh, I get it. It's a big show. It was fun. But Paul Stanley of kiss recently came out and said, this transgender stuff is, is, is just, it's not appropriate. He put the same perspective on it. It is. Butchery. It is absolutely child abuse. It's mutilation of children's bodies. It's manipulation of their brains to make them think that they really are not the gender that they were born with. 
And then atop that ridiculousness, because that's that's the gross abuse of children in and of itself to mislead them as to their actual identity. Then on top of that, the actual surgeries being performed, I mean, mastectomies and hysterectomies on girls, on, on girls who haven't even reached puberty yet, uh, mastectomies and hysterectomies permanently, irrevocably damaging them. And then in addition to that, the, the puberty blockers and the hormones they give them, causing osteoporosis prematurely, heart disease prematurely, uh, causing them to uh, really have their lives ir irreversibly damaged. Um, it's horrific and it's barbaric. And yet it's happening across the United States. Same thing with boys. They give them chemicals to castrate them. And uh, then in each case, they do plastic surgery on them to make them look like the opposite gender. But it's a big fat lie because you are, you know, no matter what they tell these little kids, you're not transitioning to another gender. What you're doing is mutilating your own gender, which you will then live with for the rest of your life. And you will not have the other gender. You will never become a little girl will never become a little boy. A little girl will never become a little boy and a little boy will never become a little girl. There is no medical means by which you can take XX and make it XY or vice versa. And so doing this is a barbarity. And so of course, one of the very first things, in fact, the first thing I will do as the United States Senator is introduce legislation to make it a federal felony for anyone to aid or cause the transitioning of any person under the age of 18. If you're a child, you need to be protected from this abuse. This is abuse. This is child abuse. And it's the most horrific child abuse. If you're 18 and older, you have in, you know, you've formed your mental construct. And if you want to do that to yourself, much as I would strongly disagree with that, if you ask me, uh, that's your choice. You're an adult, but not with children. We have to protect children from this mutilation. All right. Well, let's talk about the children of America growing up into adulthood. And that would include all of us adults in America having the autonomy to decide what information we want to consume and what we want to act on. And of course, the violations of the freedom to do just what I've said via the various bureaucratic agencies at the federal level. Now, recently, there was a 9-0 unanimous decision that impacted potentially the ability to, to deal with threats from things like FDA, FTC, FCC, and otherwise. And now there's an article you sent us about the Supreme Court may maybe deciding on uh, the the Chevron decision years ago that gave judicial deference to these agencies, uh, much to the elimination, if you will, of freedom of, of every American individual, whether they realize it or not. Yeah, the Loper-Bright Enterprises case is before the Supreme Court right now. And this case, we think, uh, those who observe the court think, this is going to be the case where Chevron is given a death blow. Um, the court can decide to, you know, reduce the scope of Chevron or modify Chevron, but I think they're going to give it a death blow because they've been so forthright, this majority that has manifested itself in several decisions recently about mm -hmm. limiting the abuses of the regulatory state. There have been legion abuses of the by the regulatory state that have been protected by the courts under the Chevron standard. Chevron it gives gross deference to the administrative agencies in their construction of facts and in their interpretation of the law, unless the law 
directly contradicts what they're doing. And I mean directly, if there's any wiggle room whatsoever, the courts defer. So if the language of a statute is in any way ambiguous, mm -hmm. they defer to the agency's interpretation of the law. Now this is an abdication of the fundamental role of the Article Three courts in yeah. our system, which is to, to interpret the law. And it's also an abdication of the judicial review function because rather than review facts de novo from the agency, they yeah. view it with deference to the selection of material facts by the agency. So mm -hmm. agencies can diminish the chance of being overruled, and they're very rarely overruled, diminish the chance by just selectively culling from the, the record what facts they deem material. And then under Chevron, the courts examine those facts and give deference to the agency's construction of the factual record. So it's not a true judicial review when Chevron operates. It isn't at all. And it has been an abdication of the role of the judiciary ever since it was first adopted in the 80s, the Chevron doctrine. It's been a disaster. It's covered up so many horrors by the regulatory state that haven't been able to be overturned by the courts because of that deferential standard. I know this court's majority is uh, very critical of the regulatory state and rightfully so. So I'm looking forward to its decision on this case. It will be momentous. It will help right the ship and it will help uh, ensure that the regulatory state is checked. It's not the ultimate answer. The ultimate answer really is legislation that I've offered to introduce. Mm -hmm. uh, ultimately, the solution is to get rid of the regulatory state. But uh, in the interim, the Congressional Responsibility and Accountability Act that I wrote for Ron Paul mm -hmm. uh, requires that every bill, every, excuse me, every regulation that is proposed by an agency cannot be given the full force of law unless it is passed by Congress in the way in which laws are passed. That is, restores the separation of powers and ensures that Article One, Section 1, the vesting clause, which makes the Congress the exclusive source of the law is honored mm -hmm. uh, by observance rather than in the breach, as is, has been the case for the last 70 or more years with acceptance of lawmaking by the regulatory state. And, you know, the regulatory state is both the uh, prosecutor, the judge, and the lawmaker. So you have all three departments of the federal government combined into one, which in the Federalist Papers, uh, James Madison described as the very definition of tyranny. It was precisely what they aimed to prevent, and it is precisely what rules America. As you and I have said many times, three quarters of all federal laws, not the product of those we elect, but the product of the unelected heads of over 250 federal agencies, bureaus, and departments. It's absolutely incredible, this history. And I, I think about all that's happening under the Biden administration to accelerate the demise of this country and the freedom of its, of its people. And we'll get into Biden trying to reclaim freedom on the political uh, trail, uh, just bizarre. But uh, in, in this particular potential decision, you know, that's facing the overturning maybe of Chevron, uh, I know it's going to be a, a couple of months or more before they'll get to it. But in this article that we have linked, it talked about the uh, Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act not being a model of clarity, which we know and that the specifics of the Dietary Supplement Health and Education Act, DSHEA, which you knew because you were there at the beginning and you also warned about its limitations, the things that it would set up that would be problematic, and you were correct on that. 
Uh, but they say there's no official legislative history upon which you can, you know, let's say go back to the beginning and say, hey, this is all the things they intended to do versus what is happening now. There's nothing like that with Deshea so much. Also, uh, definitions, you know, what is a dietary substance for use by man? Uh, what is a dietary ingredient? Uh, what does it mean to be marketed in the U.S. for purposes of being old or new? Um, what about, you know, all of these things that are, you know, in controversy, CBD, NAC, NMN, FDA says are not allowed because of a, some exclusionary clause, right? And uh, there's just so much vagarity that the Supreme Court wrongly deferred via Chevron decision to those agencies to interpret for themselves and good luck beating them back in their own so-called kangaroo courts, which you've done successfully eight times and find out that they ignore it anyway. And then now we may have some opportunity to bring them into the regular courts to push back via decision that was the 9-0 decision recently. So it's just strange to see the dichotomy of the loss of freedom under the Biden administration, yet some things the judiciary might be getting right finally. Well, I think that uh, one of the ironies here is that to the extent the liberal Democrats have coalesced and have pushed their agenda so far that they've spooked the entire population into the realization that if we don't stand up against it, we're going to turn this whole country into a socialist dictatorship. Well, that reality that is setting into the minds of most astute Americans has, of course, been on the minds of the justices. And so they're, if anything, uh, working zealously and deliberately to check the abuses so that uh, this won't get out of hand. It's a bit like the reaction of the, the Federal Reserve to the inflationary spiral. I mean, it's you and I don't believe in the Federal Reserve, but the fact of the matter is the Federal Reserve has raised the uh, interest rate by 25 basis points, and that's an astronomical figure uh, because of the, the very uh, real reality that the far left agenda, which has cost tens of trillions of dollars to be pumped into the economy, is, is inevitably causing everything to rise at such a high level mm -hmm. uh, and, and ever rise higher that unless the brakes are put on the money supply to the huge detriment of people trying to get into business, trying to take out a loan, trying to get uh, their act together, uh, all of this is going and do research and development. All of this is killing our economy. We're going to see a real hit to the GDP as a result. But it is a direct result of the trillion plus, the four trillion, four individual trillion plus bills mm -hmm. were uh, enacted. And I might add, with the full support of Tim Kaine on every single one of those, with no regard for any effort, uh, serious effort to save us from the inflation. So what do you do? You have these Band-Aid approaches, which are the Federal Reserve trying to restrict the money supply severely. And the same is true, you know, on this other side of the, the uh, spectrum where we have these measures that are designed to really put the kibosh in other areas. It's all causing people to react and it's making the court mm. uh, become necessarily um, more conscientious in restraining the regulatory state, which is a tremendous uh, benefit for freedom. I mean, yeah, if we've we, seen that in a long time. The, 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 if we achieve all these things in the courts, the result will be a huge increase in economic activity that was otherwise restrained because of the intimidation factor of regulation and also much greater liberty for individuals and for companies, much greater freedom. 
Did you so see it all works? It all works very well. Did you see the Biden administration floating the idea that if the, the Republicans actually challenge him on the debt ceiling limit, that he would sue based on the 14th Amendment, which says you cannot question the debt of the United States? Did you see that angle? Yeah, that's ridiculous. Uh, and, you know, good, good luck with that. But uh, th these these are desperate moves on their part. I mean, I think that the reality is that they've got some deal worked out with with uh, with with the Republicans on this. But nonetheless, I mean, if we take a look at the 14th Amendment here quickly, mm -hmm. what we're going to see is I'll read you the language they're talking about. So let's see. It's right here. I think let me see here. It's going to take me a minute, Robert. That's right. I, with that, I remembered it was the 14th Amendment. That was good. <laughs> okay. All right. So anyway, I think it's here in the, the validity of the public debt of the United States authorized by law, including debts incurred for payment of pensions and bounties for service in suppressing insurrection or rebellion shall not be questioned, but neither the United States nor any state shall assume or pay any debt or obligation incurred in aid of insurrection or rebellion against the United States, which they are doing mm -hmm. by allowing an open border policy right. or any claim for the loss or emancipation of any slave, but all such debts, obligations and claims shall be held illegal and void. Now, this section, the validity of the public debt of the United States authorized by law, including debts incurred for payment of pensions and so on, in support of insurrection rebellion shall not be questioned is is precisely uh wrongly applied in this instance because the validity of the public debt of the united states authorized by law so what we would have here if they took issue with the national debt is a challenge to the legal authorization of the debt mm -hmm. which immediately kicks it out of that clause it's only when it's authorized by law so of course this is part and parcel of this ridiculous reinterpretation of the meaning of the constitution, which is their bread butter, bread and butter. I mean, this is the same kind of deconstruction of the constitution that has been an age old thing that led to critical race theory, that led to critical theory. Uh, and it's because people are discontented with the constitution. So rather than amend it, they just forcibly change it and they violate all of our rights in the process. So I'm not surprised that Biden would resort to a scurrilous tactic like that, but I'm yeah. quite confident that it's going to go nowhere fast. But it is evidence of their desperation to actually trying to bring that up. Now, on to the Biden administration and their attempts to put Joe Biden in for another four years. He's actually claiming to be running. He seeks to flip the script on freedom in 2024. And I'm like, this is the most anti-freedom uh, administration we've seen in a long time. And and that's saying something because there have been some anti-freedom presidents in the history of this country, we know. But the, the violations of freedom of speech, the violations of freedom of religion, there's so many freedoms that they have violated. And how is he going to flip this script just to make sure that there's freedom to terminate life in the womb? Well, uh, this is all in ignorance of the definition of rightful liberty by Thomas Jefferson, which is the real quintessential definition of liberty or more broadly freedom that is understood to be lawful freedom in the United States from the founding. Hmm. The founding fathers had this perspective. So in his letter to Isaac Tiffany, Thomas Jefferson defined rightful liberty as 
unobstructed action according to will within limits drawn around us by the equal rights of others. He said, I did not say within the limits of the law because the law is often, but the tyrants will and always so when it violates the rights of an individual. Now that is the most brilliant definition of liberty in the history of the world and really is the foundation of our understanding of liberty. Their problem is that they do not understand liberty that way. What they understand liberty to be is a collective right given to politically preferred people at the expense of everyone else. That's what they view liberty as. So for example, with ESG, they want to be able to limit your access to capital based on a violation of the rights of everyone except those that have the same political viewpoint and, this, and adhere to that same political viewpoint in their actions. And that will then determine your eligibility for money. This is the communist Chinese system operating right now in China about money. They want that operating here. The president plans to unilaterally insist upon that uh, through the, the federal home, federal financing administration. There, they're going to raise the uh, amount people have to pay who have good credit on their mortgages by some $60 on average and they're going to lower the standards required for people who have bad credit so that more people with bad credit can obtain mortgages. The effect will be, of course, a collapse in the home housing market. We're gonna see a, 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 an effect that may even rise to the level of triggering a depression from our current recession. Um, but that's what they think, this is how they think. Mm. They respect the rights of those who have property and those who have, um, a voice that is critical of their administration and they expand the rights of those who have uh, no property and who have an interest in destroying the country and who have an interest in supporting any position taken by the administration. So that's just totalitarianism. That is absolute tyranny. So I, I, my thoughts about what they were going to do with this freedom thing, twisting it uh, in this article by at the Hill, the president and his campaign have emphasized Republican attacks on the reproductive rights through restrictive abortion bans at the state level after a conservative Supreme Court majority overturned Roe v. Wade, which was horrible law. It never was a federal issue, never should have been made a federal issue. We've talked about this time and again, whether you believe in it or not, you're for it or against it. It's a state level issue, not a federal issue. And uh, the idea that you're attacking reproductive rights, I always thought reproductive rights. I mean, what, of, what about the rights of the life of, of the unborn baby? Now, I get the discussion is never resolved because some people don't believe that life begins at conception and we can't solve the belief systems of people. But still, this issue should not be a federal issue and the Dems are going to try and make it one, uh, basically to, to make that single issue more important than any other. And I'm thinking, you know what? You're always going to find an, a state that leans that way. It's never going to be totally abolished. and you know, the Republicans, I don't know if they're smart enough to, to push back and go, look, this is not a federal issue because it isn't. And that's just factual. Let's just stay with the Constitution here. <clears throat> that's right. I mean, when you look at the Constitution of the United States, it has no provision for privacy, for the protection of privacy. It has no provision for a right to abortion. It has no, it does not address the subject at all. And that means under the Constitution which is a constitution of delegated power, specifically delegated, mm -hmm. that it is a power that has been left to the states. 
All right, the states then are to decide this question. So Dobbs was rightly decided. But let me also go further and say this. There is no power in the federal government to fund abortion. There's none. The laws currently funding abortion are unconstitutional. There is no jurisdiction on, by the part of the federal government to enter this area at all, whether to uh, say, for example, uh, that they're gonna fund abortion or to even take the position of Lindsey Graham that they're going to pro prohibit abortion all across the country. There is no power whatsoever, let me make that clear, no power whatsoever under the constitution to address the subject of abortion at the federal level. Now, on the state level, then they'll duke it out. And each state is gonna have probably a slightly different or maybe it'll be uh, similar, but it, it will not be the same. So California is unlikely to ever restrict abortion and Georgia is unlikely to ever favor abortion at all. And so the, 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 the range is gonna be there. As a person of faith, I believe that abortion should never be used as a, as a convenience, as a way to avoid an unwanted pregnancy. Um, and I believe that life begins at conception. But having said that, as a candidate for the United States Senate, the reality is there's no power whatsoever for a United States Senator under the Constitution to address the subject of abortion because it simply does not arise under the Constitution. And so when these, when these fools introduce legislation on the subject of abortion, they're flouting the Constitution mm -hmm. and they're flouting the Dobbs decision directly. Well, I this got a question. A issue. I got a question for you then, because um, you brought this up, which I'm in favor of, but I'm like, okay, tie this in, the protection of children under 18 from being butchered medically by these crazy people that want to convince them to be the opposite sex before they have the capacity to make a decision that is so threatening to their very life and longevity. Well, the, the constitution very clearly protects under the 14th amendment against the deprivation by a state of life, liberty, and property. And there's no question, but you are destroying the lives of these kids and uh, you're depriving them of liberty, actually doing that. What you're doing by manipulating them to have these surgeries is permanently harming them, right? So this is these are irreversible harms, damages to their lives, and that is an action against the 14th Amendment, which is designed to protect you against a deprivation of your right to life or liberty. And it is only possible, by the way, by the complicity of the state, the licensing of practitioners, giving them the freedom to do this. It's all through the complicity of the state, the schools that are encouraging kids, telling them that their gender is not their birth gender and inviting them to transition. All of this is part and parcel of a movement that violates the 14th Amendment rights of parents, which are guardians of children and have the 14th Amendment right to determine their upbringing and their education uh, and also the rights of these children so it is definitely uh, actionable there. The difference is that the 14th Amendment does not address the issue of abortion. It does not address the issue of a right to abortion or does not address the issue of abortion at all. And the history of our country uh, really uh, speaks to this being a local and state issue before Roe v. Wade. It in large measure was dealt with by the states in differing ways. And that uh, should have been left that way. There's been a whole propaganda movement, actually, 
to lead people to believe that abortion is an exercise of choice, of, of a freedom. Uh, and that's the Biden position. The reality is, though, that it is not because it's an inherent conflict between the interests of the fetus and the interests of the mother. This is not like the situation where uh, you are uh, being forcibly injected with the COVID vaccine. There's not another life involved in conflict with you that it defines that uh, adversarial situation. It is purely the state against you requiring your body to become an agent to serve the interests of the state. This is not that situation with abortion. Abortion is a conflict between the fetus, which of it, in and of itself naturally would develop into a person, mm -hmm. that would be given personhood upon birth, and, and rights upon birth, I mean, and a, uh, uh, an adult who is capable of, of bearing children. So it's, 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 it's that conflict which is to be weighed by the states. And this, is, this makes most sense. I'll tell you why. Mm -hmm. The founding fathers inevitably have to come to this conclusion and did so by not making it a federal issue. Because it is a deeply individualized conflict, isn't it? And as a consequence, the remedies have to be localized. They have to be state and local. And so the focus of the law necessarily has to be based on a grouping of people less than the entire nation, the states being the logical repository of all powers not given the federal government. Otherwise, a one-size-fits-all approach results in constant conflict and dissent and different disagreement and, and problems in administration. While that may well be the evolution in the states, the people are directly represented in the states and have the opportunity to change the law in a way they want. Uh, and so that is something that the federal government on this issue has to respect. Mm -hmm. I appreciate very much the distinction. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you, you as always, you, you're well thought and, and, you know, what do I say that you're not going off of your emotional senses of this thing, because there's a lot of outrage and anger and sadness associated with this issue. And then we extend that into the issue of bodily autonomy of children who are being altered, butchered, and uh, before they have the capacity to understand the, you know, the, the actions and what they really mean. And then we go back, I think another aspect, because you mentioned the licensing by the state of the doctors into a medical monopoly for this type of treatment, if I can call it treatment even, and recognizing that this is a very profitable industry. These uh, gender reassignment surgeries were very rare. You know, you could count on one hand, I think, the number of places that we're doing it. Now, these places are popping up in every state. These are for profit. This is, again, transfer of wealth in addition to what you mentioned about no federal authority. Fraud. Yeah. The fraud is, I mean, if you had to have informed consent, which you should, must have, and here's some basis for litigation. Informed consent should be supplied to every parent and every child that is contemplating a transition surgery that explains in detail that this surgery will not render a biological male or female the opposite sex, that this surgery will only allow for plastic surgery uh, to, to mimic or you know suggest that the person is of an opposite sex and that it is irreversible and that once this is done, a mastectomy and a hysterectomy, that this child will never be able to function as a female uh, adult. 
and that this child, if they're castrated, will never function as a male, and that they will also never be the opposite sex. So in other words, from the get-go, this is a fraud, isn't it? It's a massive fraud because they are inducing little kids who are highly impressionable and should be protected against this as surrogates for the parents. The church schools should protect kids against this. Instead, they are inducing them to do this and they're celebrating when they do it. And they're creating a whole false fantasy land that's sick, a dystopian fantasy land where they tell these little kids, you, Johnny, you can be Sarah, or Sarah, you can be Johnny, and that you can do that through surgery. And that is a lie. Mm -hmm. And it is a vicious lie. It is a criminal lie. And it should be recognized as a crime. And that's why I'll introduce legislation that will make it a crime on the federal level and make it impossible for anyone to be able to do that without suffering the severe consequences of a felony, both financially and in prison, incarceration, for if they aid or cause the transitioning of anyone under the age of 18. We yeah. have to protect America's youth from this fraud. Thank you again for that clarity. I appreciate that. None of this that uh, we, do we script. I, I don't tell Jonathan or Telegraph what I'm going to ask him about, and he just rolls with it, and it's beautiful. And you should see this when you go to some of the events that are upcoming as Jonathan runs for the United States Senate in Virginia. Uh, and there's uh, emord4va.com. You can support Jonathan's efforts in any way, shape, or form, sending a li as little as a few bucks here and there or a lot and or supporting the uh, you know sharing of signs, whatever, in Virginia, but around the country, if you believe in what Jonathan Emord stands for, and we do here. Uh, upcoming events, emord4va.com. Uh, I, I, I was so much fun last week, John, uh, Jonathan. Remember, we had my friend John Hewlett was with me at the, the medical conference we were at in Nashville, and, and I've been telling him about you, but he needed to experience you. And, and in that singular Sacred Fire of Liberty episode, John Hewlett from Cardio Miracle is on fire. The guy, he won't stop talking about you to everybody. So excited to support you. And I'm like, that's exactly what I'm trying to tell you. But sometimes they just need to see it, feel it. So go to the event, continue sharing the sacred fire of liberty, and you'll see what this is all about and how important it is to get someone such as Jonathan in the U.S. US Senate, even though he's from Virginia, maybe not where you live, but the impact on those around him, including, the, I believe, Jonathan, the strengthening of other who have a constitutional conservative leaning or libertarian leaning because of your knowledge, your status and stature to not be bought or purchased off or not, not shy away from controversial topics based on the principles, which you bring them. Uh, it will strengthen the resolve of those good people that are in there trying to do some good work. Yeah. I, I had this great pr pr privilege of talking to John at length and uh, I'm so impressed with John Hewlett and cardio miracle, but, Anyway, he's mm -hmm. going to send me a sample of that. I'm going to start taking it, then I'm going to turn into the Energizer Bunny just like you, Robert. Dude, I'm telling you, at the gym, even this morning, every time – now, people are looking at me as well, I'm in the gym that are newer to the gym. Sometimes they've been with me for a long time in the gym, but they kind of – you know how it is. You don't strike up always conversations with people that are, are, are deeper meaningful. And now they're coming up to me and say, how old are you? You're what? 57? 
how is this possible? You know, and, and, and so the things that we have fought for, the right to care for our bodies the way we believe, not the way the federal or even the state government believes, the freedom, the autonomy, all of this plays into this, including, as you know, your defense of many individuals and many companies who have wonderfully powerful and, and safe and, yes, effective products based on even the science, much less clinical research, and you fought the oligarchy against their limitations on the freedom to communicate these great things that would preclude a lot of the deaths and, 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 and illnesses that we've seen, even under the pandemic. Yeah, it's been a, a career of battles against the federal bureaucracy where I've seen the utter rot that is a part of the bureaucracy, the abuse of power, the raw abuse of power that has destroyed people's businesses, ruined their livelihoods. And for what? Without any proof of, that they are harming an individual, without any proof that uh, there is any damage whatsoever, the FDA, the FTC have just destroyed businesses right and left. And that is a disgusting history, a history that they will never tell. But you just have to give one example. So when they prohibited the claim that folic acid would reduce the risk of neural tube defect births, that we waged litigation for some six years against them about that. Uh, they, they caused 2,500 preventable neural tube defect births a year and countless NTD-related abortions. If they just allowed that information into the marketplace, all those kids born with NTDs would not have been. All those people who had abortions because their children were going to be born with NTDs never would have had that horrific experience either. Yeah. And so they have a lot to to uh, account for. And it, this is criminal, that is criminal. And not only that, omega-3 fatty acids that we won, the omega-3 fatty acid heart disease risk reduction claim. That claim that they also censored for years and years and years led the Office of Management and Budget at our request to send a prompt letter to the FDA commissioner saying, if you would just act on this petition, you might end up saving 110,000 lives a year mm -hmm. from sudden death heart attack and they dragged their feet for over a year after that prompt letter, they finally relented and let the information in the market. And so many people, I mean, probably just about everybody on the on this program listening today and watching today, they understand the, the association between omega-3 fatty acids and a reduction in the risk of heart disease because now it's prolific in the marketplace. Well, that's all because of the litigation that we waged against the FDA and beat them, this whole regime of censorship, which still goes on, yeah. is costing people's lives. That's what yeah. we have to understand. When the government censors health information, when it tells you that it, it, when it gets involved in the business of not allowing any criticism of the COVID vaccine, not allowing any scientific debate over ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine and access to public information about that and freedom by the physicians to prescribe it in the treatment of, of the disease of COVID-19. When they did all of that, they foreclosed many lives. They caused many people who would otherwise live to die. They caused treatment regimens that could have been introduced early on to help people and even build up their immune systems in advance to never be communicated in the public out of an interim effect where they refused. They locked down information to promote the one answer, the vaccine on the false basis that it's all safe and efficacious. Mm -hmm. And this whole thing is, is a classic censorship 
equal to the kind of thing that the courts of star chamber and high commission in England engaged in. It is the very definition of tyranny that the founding fathers acted against the colonial period in our history from the case of Alexander McDougall forward, all dealt with a rejection of this, this state parentalism, this notion that somehow the government can decide for you what's in your own best interest and deny you information to make any decision other than what the state tells you to do. That is the bane of freedom. That's the opposite of freedom. It's the antithesis of it. And yet that's what we went through with COVID. That's what yeah. we went through. Horrific. Yeah. And I'll add, you know, your success against the FDA on issues of selenium and the valid science on that one mineral. How many prevention, how many cases of cancer could we have prevented in the time where they continue to, to not or disallow anybody to reference the science supporting that, which I know to be true clinically as well, how critical that mineral is. So you have the fear and death administration, as I call them, actually contributing to more death than they're, let's say, preventing in reality. And we know from the peer-reviewed medical literature that the drugs they approve are the third leading cause of death in the United States of America and the West. So it's not uh, it shouldn't it's not a shock to anybody here. But for those of you that are meeting Jonathan Ebord for the first time, you'll you'll see the the depth and breadth of his knowledge and his willingness to stand in defense of liberty, freedom, health, freedom in particular as well, but all freedom in this regard. And moving forward, uh, one of the concerns as we wrap up here, we got a couple more minutes. Uh, there's an article here about half of of the people now are concerned about the money they think is theirs in banks. Is it safe? Is it, are we going to go through the same stuff we've learned ever since the Federal Reserve came about in 1913? Bank runs, booms and busts through the artificial creation of money. Are we not paying attention to Ron Paul and all that he said and predicted? Are we seeing this manifest now? I'm telling you, Ron Paul was right on. This is a situation where we are feeling the brunt of uh, Charles Schumer transformational change. He said that, oh, we're going to undergo a transformational change. Biden in, in Japan said, it'll be painful for a while, but then we'll get to the other side and it'll be brighter. Oh yeah, socialism is never brighter. Nowhere where socialism is applied is it brighter. But this whole thing, people are freaking out, rightfully so, because they're attacking the foundations of the free market. They're trying to destroy the energy foundation of the backbone of the American economy at the same time that they're trying to take over who gets uh, money from, from lending institutions based on a political criteria. So the whole thing is, is ruinous and people are rightfully scared about their resources because indeed this is a time inflation is eating your money away, inflation caused by gross government spending. You've got interest rates going through the roof. Lending is going to be more difficult. Banks are, are going, you know, teetering and collapsing. And you've got the whole situation with this movement to make your own money unavailable to you by trying to induce uh, risky lending on the lower side with this, this new approach, this new NA, this new uh, National Housing Federation uh, approach, uh, NHFA approach. And uh, that is going to make it extremely difficult for people. When you lower the standards for credit worthiness to allow people who have bad credit, and that's their express intention, to allow people with bad credit to get loans, you jeopardize the whole banking system. So yeah, people should be freaking out. They should be rebelling against the Biden administration. 
Absolutely. All right, we just got a nice message uh, from eGrab4. I don't know where this is coming from, Super Don. It's a live chat he sent me. It says, I will be voting for uh, in Virginia for eMord. I wish people, I wish more people truly understood these issues and looked at them from the lenses of the founding fathers of our union. Well, thank you. There it is, Super Don. Thanks for putting that up. I don't know. Where did that come from, that live chat? Is that, I'm not. I put it in Skype for you. It's on Rumble. Oh, it's a rumble. Okay. So yeah, that's the thing. I never am able to see the rumble chat stuff. So thank you for monitoring that. And you know, it shows that, uh, Jonathan, your, your message is resonating as you know, and I know it is, um, the campaign is doing tremendously well. It's still early in the primary season. Um, but you are, uh, significantly outpacing every other candidate that's attempting to run at this point. And I look forward for you, you dominating the primary and going up against Tim Kaine and defeating him. And for those of you who aren't familiar with what we're talking about, just go to emord4va, emordforvirginia.com, and uh, you'll see all about the issues that Jonathan stands for, some of which we get to cover each week together on this show. And uh, Jonathan, somehow when you're senator, you, you said you're still going to find time to appear on the show. That's and, right, Robert. You know I will. Which will be a whole lot of fun. And I would, I will cut you some slack, too, if you can't do a full hour, because I know how much how busy you'll be. But... Anytime you can drop in on that when you're a senator from Virginia, we want you here because that's the consistency of this message. It doesn't change just because you're elected to the United States Senate. All right, Robert. Well, you know, we're going to save America and save Virginia. I'm so grateful for that note from a Virginian. Yeah. Uh, hearing that same message across the Commonwealth. And I believe that Tim Kaine's days are numbered. And I think that our victory is assured because of people like that. We're patriots who are going to stand up and they're going to come out in larger numbers, I think, than ever before in Virginia because of the fact that people understand you got to save the Constitution if you're going to save America. Amen. Said it well, Jonathan. Thank you, my brother. We'll see you next week on, on the campaign trail. Uh, any events you need me at, you just let me know. I uh, sure will. Thank you for putting people in touch with our website, emordforva.com, for updates on events. And hope to see anybody who can attend our events. You will really love them because they're exciting, as Robert can tell you. But They are a lot of fun. You guys join them, and I'll see you soon, Jonathan. Thank you. Take care, Robert. Thank you. All right. Coming up next, uh, Steve Deese joining the Robert Scott Bell Show for the first time. He'll be joining me, or I'll be joining him in Boise, Idaho, for the We the Patriots USA event. And that's linked up in the upcoming events tab at robertscottbell.com. I hope to see you there. And a number of other events we'll let you know about when we come back from this break. On the Robert Scott Bell Show, where the power to heal is yours. The Robert Scott the Bell Robert Show. Scott Bell. All right, this hour on the Robert Scott Bell Show, uh, we'll be joined first time by Steve Deese, also a fellow broadcaster, uh, an incredible prolific author who's got a new book out called The Rise of the Fourth Reich, Con Confronting COVID Fascism with a New Nuremberg Trial So This Never Happens Again. Uh, of course, we've had Vera Sharav. We featured her. Scott Shero is also a feature, I believe, in this book as well. Also, a new movie apparently in theaters now called Nefarious, Speak of the Devil, based on uh, the works and writings of Steve Deese. Look forward talking to him about that. Also, we'll be together at the uh, event in Boise, Idaho, uh, We the Patriots uh, USA event. And that's coming up in just a few minutes. But first, we're going to be talking about uh, vaccine to terminate or prevent 
pregnancies. Oh my gosh. All right. Yeah. They, there's nothing, no, nothing to which they won't do to, to profit off of uh, the vaccine religion. And that's coming up. But first upcoming events, I want to ro- run through these really quickly here. If you don't mind, uh, if you go to robertscatbell.com, you'll see upcoming events tab at the top. Check that out. There's uh, doctors in support of Dr. Moore, uh, Utah State Health Summit, May 20th. Uh, that'll be happening from 2 to 5.30 p.m. Uh, and that's uh, near the University of Utah, I believe. And uh, Dr. Kirk Moore will be speaking there. He's being attacked by the federal government for honoring his patients in the first do-no-harm Hippocratic Oath. Also, uh, we're looking at uh, the movie Spellers. Who's, it's appearing around the country. I just got word from my friend Kristen Chevrier, who's doing the Your Health Freedom Conference in early November, that they're hosting a screening of this movie, Spellers, which we've, we've covered a couple of times. It's pretty phenomenal. These uh, children that have been injured into the autism spectrum have a way to communicate now, and you can see this movie, Spellum, Spellers, I'm sorry, Spellers, inspired by the book Underestimated by Jamie uh, and J.B. Handley. And that's going to be happening May 22nd at 7 p.m. There's a little QR code you can scan or you can go to, I believe, hopefully there's a website, Your Health Freedom, uh, Utah, yourhealthfreedom.org. You can find it there. Following that, we'll be together at Memorial Day in St. Louis, Memorial Day weekend, 27th through 29th with Dr. Rashid Batar, Advanced Medicine Conference. Super Don, I don't know if you've heard back from Dr. Batar on the discount code. I'm hoping that uh, we've got that activated, whether it's RSB or Bell to get everybody involved and, and plan. Haven't heard back from him yet. No. Okay. So uh, those of you who can't make it there, there usually is a live stream as well. You can access, but check that out again, advancedmedicineconference.com. And then we have the, we, the Patriots USA event. And that's the one where Steve Deese will be speaking as well as I will. And Ryan Cole, Peter McCullough scheduled uh, Brian Hooker, our good friend, um, Connor Boyack with the Tuttle twins, Dr. Jack, James Lyons, Weiler, and more. And it's going to be a great two-day event, uh, second and third of June, 2023. Then we have a one-day event in uh, in Colorado, Loveland, Colorado. Real solutions for healthy living, inspired, naturally inspired health summit. I'll be there June 24th. Doors open at 9 a.m. at the ranch in Larimer County Fairgrounds and Events Complex. So again, upcoming events. If you sign up for email alerts or what, what Superdon calls the newsletter, you'll get the updates, including the Goody Farms Homestead Southwest Missouri RSB Family Union. And we talked to Leslie just yesterday, I believe it was, or recently, July 14th through 16th, a wonderful weekend of health and healing. Dr. Ben Tapper is going to be joining us. There'll be music and uh, homesteading skills, all kinds of fun stuff for that weekend. And yes, organic uh, gluten-free pie, which is, you know, why everybody wants to be there, I think. that Well, I'll be there for that and more. And then the Maho event, that's the uh, Mid-American Health Organization for the health food stores, natural products retailers. I'll be speaking at that event, and that's uh, Columbus, Ohio, July 21st through 23rd. I may be doing an event that evening, the 21st, at Whitaker's Farm Market, uh, which I've spoken at years ago, and they're good people there. Then the Biomed Expo in Las Vegas, Nevada, September 14th through 17th. Boy, that's going to be a great weekend, a few days in Las Vegas. I don't go there often, but when I do, the Biomed Expo has got me. We're going for that. Then the 8th Annual uh, Your Health Freedom Gala and Symposium, including Dr. Pierre Corey, Meryl Nass, Dr. Jancy Lindsay, uh, Tricia Lindsay, Caleb Warnock, Priscilla Romans, and me, and uh, uh, some others. Jared St. Clair will be there. And so that's October 6th and 7th, a Friday-Saturday event in West Jordan. It's the Salt Lake Valley. Then we have the Trinity Health Freedom Expo coming up again October 14th and 15th, and that's uh, outside of Chicago. Uh, far enough outside of Chicago that I'll actually go. Tinley Park Convention Center, healthfreedomexpo.com. You guys sign up, and it's the most extraordinary thing. It's been going on for decades now. 
and we'll continue that effort through Trinity School of Natural Health. And of course, Nutritional Frontiers is always there as well, Super D. And that's just some of what we have, and there'll be more added to the list. We, I'm going to have to get a bigger t-shirt. But all uh, the- Yeah, we're going to have to get like a bigger website just to handle all the. Yeah, there's a lot going on, a lot coming up. So unless you got something for me, and you might, uh, I, I want to dive in real quickly to this uh, vaccine for birth control thing. Uh, <clears throat> but if you have an announcement to make, Super Don, far be it from me from standing in your Far office. be it from you. Far, far be it from you. Far, no, far no, away. No, no. Let's, let's, get let's get mm-hmm. into it. Let's get into it. All right. So the Atlantic is reporting uh, that there is a vaccine for birth control or it's a question mark about it. This is an article by Catherine J. Wu. It's uh, in its ideal form. She says a contraceptive vaccine could prevent pregnancy without the messy side effects of some hormonal birth control. Uh, yes. Like causing cancer, for instance, <laughs> every time they met, they it's a vaccine. That's what we need a vaccine. That's right. Cause the vaccines don't cause any problems unlike birth control. Right. And, you know, as I'm reading this article, I'm wondering, when are they going to get to the uh, antigens for HCG, human chorionic gonadotropin? You don't have to go go very far. Right? So they already have proof of concept in terminating pregnancies, but at what cost? Because if you, you, let's say, if you target your body's immune system against HCG, you will destroy pregnancy when it occurs because the rise in HCG is critically part of what happens at the beginning stages of pregnancy. And interestingly enough, um, there's there's also... um, uh, tests associated with uh, uh, cancer uh, and the rise of HCG. Uh, so interesting when you take an in, 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 let's say an antigen or something that stimulates an immune response against HCG, it's not just going to terminate pregnancy. There are a lot of things associated with HCG. But wait a minute. Body. Wait a minute now. When you go back to the top here, doesn't she say here? Yes. Uh, prevent pregnancy without the messy side effects of some hormonal birth control. So it's almost like she's implying. Mm-hmm. That this doesn't have any side effects, right? I mean, isn't that well, the impression you get there? We've we've gotten that impression from the federal government, have we, and from the mainstream media and from big pharma. Oh, safe and effective. Anytime there's a vaccine, whether it's really a vaccine, well, whether it's know, mRNA, listen, we don't want those messy side effects of hormonal birth control. So when I saw this this morning, I was like, "All right, yeah. let's find out what would happen." Because basically, what they're saying is it will neutralize mm-hmm. the HG, uh, HCG in the body. I'm like. Okay. Um, what might happen? Every time I've checked on, on a drug that blocks something normal in the body, uh, there's always got to be a negative impact. Or as a impact. Result of that. Yeah, plural. On so that. I looked it up yeah. this morning. I went and used the evil AI uh, to find out what, what happens. And I asked it. I said, so what could be the possible negative impacts of neutralizing HCG in the female body? So... Look at what we're trading off. The messy side effects from hormonal birth control. Yeah. Uh, it would cause menstrual irregularities, fertility issues, which makes sense because that's what they're trying to do, right? How about yeah. bone loss? How about a little yeah. bone loss with your... Uh, your your uh, that, uh, that and Ozempic combo. Yeah, that there. Mood changes. Yeah. Um, thyroid dysfunction. Yay! More thyroid dysfunction. dysfunction. Yeah, we need more of that. Uh, let's see. Breast tenderness, digestive issues, mm-hmm. uh, immune system dysfunction, yes. blood clotting disorders, and cardiovascular disease. Does that sound like a, a COVID shot, too? Uh, every every yeah. time they try. You know, they don't it, mention that in the article, do they? No, Super D, you are so, so on spot on. It, it, this is Dr. Super Don, right? This is where you get your doctorate. <laughs> Look, it's simple. I mean, it's just, it just, it's just logic. 
we're going to invent, we're going to come up with this vaccine mm-hmm. that's going to ne- neutralize. I hate that. I mean, it's what a, what a uh, neutral word, right? Neutralize. Yeah. We'll just neutralize. neutralize the enemy. H- well, wasn't the HCG there for a reason? I mean, was yeah. it like extra HCG or something that didn't need to be there? No, this is the essential HCG that God placed there, you know, as far as the creator, uh, making the possibility for reproduction of the species. And all they're doing is investing in a profit center to destroy humanity in this case. You know, if you want reproductive freedom, put a raincoat on. Uh, you know, it doesn't mess with your hormones. Uh, I'll leave it at that. Let me just say that anytime, <laughs> and you, point, you pointed out, Subran, correctly, that anytime you suppress, block, or force something to happen to the body, there are untoward side effects that are direct effects that are not marketable. And so all that you mentioned is not marketable when they say, oh yeah, we can eliminate your, your risk of pregnancy, have at it. And of course, then you're going to be on numerous antibiotics for sexually transmitted infections. Oh, once again, leading back to big pharma, everything leads back to big pharma. Just as we talked about the gender reassignment surgeries is a profit center for big pharma and big medical monopoly. And so we must, we must see through the ruse that is modern medicine as a religion or a cult and recognize that your religion of choice whether it be Judaism, Christianity, Islam, whatever it is, is distinct and different from the church of pharmaceutical mysticism for which many of you have didn't know you were worshiping at. Much to your demise, the demise of your children and your grandma and grandpa and mom and dad. Third leading cause of death, modern medicine approved by the Fear and Death Administration. So with that, we got a guy that uh, has written extensively on a lot of topics. First time he's on this show. I'm very excited to have him on. I'm very excited to meet him in person at the uh, We the Patriots USA event coming up in Boise, Idaho, June 2nd and 3rd. Uh, he's he's a prolific writer, as I said. He's got at least a couple of best- bestsellers. The latest one is Rise of the Fourth Reich, confronting COVID fascism with a new Nuremberg trial, so this never happens again. Let's welcome to the Robert Scott Bell Show for the first time, Steve D. Steve, welcome. Hey, man, thank you very much for having me. How are you? Dude, I'm, I'm, I'm doing great, even better now that you're here. I love what you do, and I'm very excited to uh, be at this event coming up in Boise and you know, learn a little bit more about you for my audience, many of whom probably already know you, but uh, you are, again, a very well-researched man, intelligent, and you're putting uh, your thoughts into book form and also into the spoken form to, I guess, alert people about what might you be passionate about. Well, I think that I think that the end of Western civilization is basically on the table. That's what I think. Mm-hmm. I, I think that... Uh, Um, on a spiritual, moral, and political level, uh, Robert, I think we're at existential cliffs in all three of those realms. Uh, My movie Nefarious that's in theaters now deals with this on a spiritual level. In some respects, Rise of the Fourth Reich does as well, but really the the moral and political manifestations of those forces. Uh, I heard you a couple of minutes ago referring to um, uh, using the term cult. That is something I've used on my, on my show numerous times in the last few years, <clears throat> pardon me, to describe a lot of the manifestations we're seeing today politically. Mm. And, and how can you tell what is a cult and what is a, what is a, a sincere religion? Um, the use of groupthink, the, um, the idea of you losing your, you losing your individual autonomy Pardon me. I just got off the air with my own show. My voice a little worked over. But uh, it's when you lose your individual autonomy, not to sacrifice for the greater good or the group that you're associated with, but because that is 
it, it's necessary to belong to that group at all mm. that you lose your individualism. So, you know, in a, in a sincere religious experience, <clears throat> you are in, you still retain your individualism while sacrificing some elements of it at given times in order to serve your fellow man. In but, the case by of, choice, but by choice, but by choice, yeah, yes, freedom, yeah. Yeah, you choose to do this as an as an act of mission, as an act of, of compassion or love. Mm. In in the case of a cult, you do this for purpose and meaning to begin with. Like this is required for you to lose <clears throat> most of your humanity to belong to the group as a whole. Anyway, that's the difference between belonging to um, a religious movement or or groupthink. Well, look at the, the COVID vaccine religion. It required you to basically uh, subjugate your individuality for yes. the, the greater good. Ill-defined, yes. because as you know, that shot was neither safe nor effective, nor was Correct. it ever necessary. Correct. And then when you look at um, the other thing that you're seeing is the idea that you you not only sacrifice now your individual um, identity, but you don't have worth as a human being. The idea that children belong to the state and not their parents is one example in another arena. Hmm. The idea that the real human trials for the COVID, the poison poke, is what's been ongoing since the rollout in January of 2021, not whatever was the, the, the corrupt monstrosity that they tried to hide from us for 75 years for the year leading up to that. That you should, you should be anxious to sacrifice yourself for the collective. Um, and that's that's part of your active service here uh, to 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 belong basically to the Borg. Those mm -hmm. are those things are prevalent everywhere we go. And as a result, two things in the West right now, Robert, are on life support. Number one, we're in an epistemological crisis. What is true? Do I even care what is true? Um, is it, it and is anything true that doesn't comport with my agenda? or isn't convenient for me to accept and gives me the consequences I want. Do we discover truth now or do we conjure it? Like in this era, if Newton would get credit, would get credit not for discovering gravity, but creating it. Mm. Like instead of just sitting under the tree when the apple fell on his head, gravity was always there. That's why we weren't floating here in the abyss on this third rock from the sun. He just discovered uh, what is a pre-existing revelation. In this era, science is magic. Science conjures things. Science creates truth, doesn't discover it. So we're in epistemological wilderness at the moment, and that has created a critical thinking wilderness at the moment. You know, the old culture war in America, uh, post-counterculture in the 60s, well into the early 2000s, was the right and left arguing with each other over whether, over what governed the human conscience. The right would often say God. The left would say conscience was governed by consent. I can do whatever I want with another adult provided they're consenting to it. It doesn't directly harm anybody. And this was kind of the great culture war argument that defined on a moral level, the right and left in America for a generation. Both sides actually agreed in some form of individual autonomy, some form of individual agency. The debate was over to what extent could you take it? The new debate is whether you have individual agency and autonomy at all, at all yeah. whether it exists at all. And, or, and, and compliance is now the highest virtue in our, in, in this culture. That's why the same people that currently have the Ukraine flag in their bio or their pronouns in their bio, previously had their jab pass in the bio, previously had their mask in their bio. They're just moving to what is the next totem to show I am compliant with the current spirit of the age. And so here's here's my totem to show that I am down with the, with the, with the next current thing. Hmm. 
Yeah, well, we talked last hour with Jonathan Emord. Have you, you've interviewed Jonathan Emord before. He's, yeah. uh, he's running for the United States Senate, Virginia. He's wiping the floor with the other Republicans. They can't even keep up with him. Thank God, because this man is a, a man of God and, and follows the Constitution and knows it well and has fought against the uh, the deep state, the, the oligarchy as well for decades now successfully, but realized it wasn't enough, especially with his kids leaving. What does he want to leave to them? A, 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 a land of tyranny, a land of freedom. So uh, extraordinary, man. And we talked about like, this this uh, transgender agenda ideology. And it's one thing if you're an adult to make a decision about butchering your own body, but good Lord, doing it to children, that's just a non-starter. And it's like one of the first things he'll do is put a stop to that at that, you know, at, at that level. But, uh, you know, we're talking about something that is so bizarre. If we had written about it in the past, they would have thought it was a science fiction dystopian right. novel and we're living right. it. Right. I mean, if you, if you turned in a manuscript with a figure uh, such as a, a Francis Collins or an Anthony Fauci as the villain, it would get rejected. And, and not for the reasons of that probably audiences, an audience like yours anticipates. Before we even got to the censorship angle, it would just be rejected for simplistic. This is a one-dimensional villain. Right. It's not, it, it's just, you didn't write a novel, you wrote a polemic. I mean, this is just not a sustainable narrative. It's not a sustainable storyline. You know, stick to blogs, kids. Uh, that's essentially what they would tell you. And yet that's the real life that we all just witnessed the last few years. Well, remember the, uh, the Saturday night live monologue by, uh, what's it? Woody Harrelson, uh, some months ago where he Woody said, Harrelson, Hey, you right. know, I, right. yeah, I got the, the script and it said, you know, that, uh, the pharmaceutical industry would, you know, lock us down unless right. we take their product. We won't get there for it. I'm like, and he threw it away cause it was so ridiculous. And of course, you know, as he talked about it being just like you, too simplistic. That's absurd, right? And yet, that's what we have lived through. And of course, he was criti criticized mm -hmm. of being an anti-vaxer, as if that holds any value or weight for anybody to hear those terms together, other than a badge of "you were right, you didn't get the jab." Everyone else. But here's why it works. But Robert, you're right that it doesn't work on anybody that is looking at this critically. You're right about that. Here's the problem, though, brother. A lot of people aren't looking at anything critically. That's a good point. Yeah. And, and and they have what, what COVID showed, and we talk about this in Rise of the Fourth Reich, COVID is not an outlier. I think there was this idea that this thing just either leaked from a lab or showed up at a Wuhan meat market, uh, wet market, and blindsided the world, and everybody panicked and, and read the Imperial College survey on March 15th of 2020, which, said, which says right in the survey, they don't know how the virus is spread, but here's our projection of what the spread of the virus is going to do. Seems to me like you'd stop reading at the, we don't know how the virus is spread. You just stop reading there. But the nation's leaders just kept on reading and went with it and imposed this on all of their people, regardless of ideology, whether Marxism and neo-Marxism in China, mm -hmm. whether you know liberal democratic socialism here in the West, it, it didn't matter. It just almost almost all the nations on earth, except for a handful of countries like Sweden, immediately imposed this on their countries without any borders or any treaties or, or a single shot fired. Yeah. And how did they do that? They did that because it's not an outlier. It's a harvest. What COVID proved is that an entire generation, as the late great Democratic Senator Patrick Daniel Patrick Moynihan used to refer to it, the dumbing down of America, uh, what 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 COVID proved is that mission is complete. The Antonio Gramsci march through the institutions is now completed. And there are enough now, frankly, naive, gullible people that want, to, Loki was right. They want to be ruled. Yeah. 
They are anxious to be ruled. They wouldn't take the liberty and freedom if you offered it to them directly. They want direction. Um, the Chesterton line, whenever the government removes God, the government becomes the God. We are living through the fulfillment of that now. And COVID showed that much of the world, particularly in the West, has been properly indoctrinated and conditioned to really a, a dangerous almost cosmic level of subservience. And that's why I think Western civilization is on the The brain. great danger has been redefined as freedom. Yes. Through much of our history, freedom was the goal, was the ideal, the best way to live. And now it becomes the opposite of that. And I've argued for many years now, my background, I was raised pharmaceutically. I became a natural doctor, homeopath uh, in my young years because I was sick for 24 years, found a way to overcome all of it. Now, you know, in my 50s, I'm doing things I could do in my 20s. And I realized at a certain point that our indoctrination into fear of germs would be used against us because they're invisible. They're not Democrats. They're not Republicans. And so we'd all align and go, whatever you say, it's a germ. And this is our vulnerability. And I've said this even in COVID. Many Republicans did not push back if they pushed back at all in a very effete manner at all, if at all, based on the abandonment of the principle of limited government and a constitution with no escape clause based on pandemics or epidemics. And Jonathan Emore points that out on this show regularly when he talked about the history of the writing of the Constitution, much less our war for independence. There were numerous pandemics and epidemics, and yet they sought to write an article of freedom, limitation on government, despite the fact that they knew that there were times where a lot of things spread and a lot of people die. So the idea that we could be uh, disabused of freedom as the best and most appropriate thing to defend, much less promote and then now run from it because it's the great danger. It's what causes all of our problems. To your point, the, much of the people of planet Earth have been dumbed down to such a degree that they can just roll right in with the name of any other germ that they want, and we'll all go back into hiding. Well, not all. Correct. Correct. I, I think, I think, and I'm not sure which group is bigger, but there's a dangerous number of Americans who affirmatively want uh, to belong to this kind of a spirit of the age cult, want to be led by it. There's another group, a large number of Americans, who may somewhere instinctively believe this isn't right and kind of goes against their hard wiring or the DNA of the country, but just frankly lack the wherewithal, the courage of conviction mm -hmm. to do anything about it. And, you know, I used to joke on my show, there's a lot of, there's a lot of bald guys with 40-inch biceps lifting weights every day, listening to every episode of Joe Rogan they can find. And I like Joe, okay? And he's got the biggest show in our freaking hemisphere. Mm -hmm. But a lot of those guys listening to Rogan, man, talking about civil war, bro, yeah. But then they made sure that their little Sally wore her mask dutifully before they dragged her into Costco for every, you know, to pick stuff up for mom, yeah. okay? I mean, that's, that's kind of a portrait of what dissent, I think RFK Jr. said recently, you cannot comply your way oh, into liberty. Yeah. All right. He said that at Hillsdale, actually. And I think that is very true. And um, I think a lot of our a lot of our people don't know how to dissent. I think a lot of them have been taught that um, pa being patriotic is you uh, come home from work, uh, ignore your kids and watch as much of the Fox News primetime lineup as you possibly can. And then go vote Republican every November to save America as part of the uh -uh, mm -hmm. silent majority. Yeah. OK. And then they woke up one day and then found out that for, you know, no valid reason whatsoever, Fox Detroit decided to crap can the one actual show that it had that was worth something. Yeah. Okay. And so I, I don't, I think that this is, I, you know, 
this is where we're going to have to relearn what citizenship means, what resistance means. We have to learn lessons from history. What does um, civil disobedience mean? A refusal to comply mean? You know, one of the things I've tried to coach my audience is how to become ungovernable by the spirit of the age, meaning that you can have all the edicts you want, but if you cannot enforce them, they're just words on a page. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, we're going to have to learn what that looks like. And But for a lot of our people that um, that view comfort as the highest achievement in modern America, that's going to take a, a whole new level of hardwire training. How comfortable are you in a prison cell? Of your own making, exactly. by the way. Uh, St another Steve writes in, the leftist agenda is to hypnotize the public into believing in the slavery of freedom. Unfortunately, there are a lot of uh, pseudo so-called right-leaning Republicans that also participate in this. We, I mean, listen, Mike DeWine flat out was one of the worst governors during COVID in the United mm -hmm. States, regardless of party. And he'd be in the top exactly. five. I mean, he was, literally, he was literally on Twitter writing freaking sonnets to, to COVID. Okay. I mean, it's, it's just... Astonishing, yeah. And, and then you saw what happened when they had the railroad spill there a few months ago. I mean, he was literally telling people. So the same gov Republican governor who told you in July of 20, you couldn't go out in the summertime with a respiratory virus. When, by the way, respiratory viruses are usually nuked in the air by from, from the heat and the sun. Mm -hmm. Okay. You couldn't go play basketball outside without a mask in Ohio in July of 2020 and 85 degree weather without a cloud in the sky. You couldn't do that. But you could go back home literally 48 hours after dangerous chemicals were dropped into your water table yeah. and just resume normal life. So I, I, I long when I got into this business, I used to be able to blame everything on leftists. I, I've been in this business for 15 years now, Robert. I, I've learned the last several years I don't get to do that anymore. Yeah, we've had to mature, haven't we, on our understanding of, of yeah. the Hegelian dialectic and how it's played, there you go. We're yep. played by it. You know, I, yeah. I broke the broadcast microphone in 1999 as a primarily a health show, but I couldn't keep my mouth shut about the politics of health because they were violating my fundamental freedoms of bodily autonomy to care for my body without poisoning it, you know, by the monopoly, as we talked about the Church of Pharmaceutical Mysticism. And, and I'm not denigrating all doctors, but recognizing you go into a profession that severely limitates, limits your or curtails your ability to respond to you know, that sacred relationship that you thought you went in for a doctor patient relationship, mm -hmm. the good doctors mm -hmm. who dared to actually help people with COVID and, and they survived were destroyed utterly or, you know, de-licensed or threatened with loss of license. And so you understand what's uh, vitally important. I've, I've mentioned this many times over the years, Steve, that, uh, you know, it took them 10 years uh, supposedly to find Osama bin Laden, who's on, on hemodialysis in a cave somewhere in Afghanistan and it'll take them 24 hours or less to find you if you hang a shingle and say, hey, I've got the cure for cancer and it's not chemo, radiation or surgery, which tells you all you need to know about who they think the real terrorists are. People that can heal you without their approval or help you. To heal. This is this is my issue. This is my issue with the Ukraine story. I, I think Vladimir Putin is one of the worst people on planet Earth. However, he didn't try to turn me into an experiment for Pfizer and Moderna the last couple of years. He didn't tell me I couldn't have a job yeah. um, and my kids couldn't go to school unless I was willing to let Pfizer and Moderna with double indemnity in experiment on oh, that. that happened and, from our own government and government leaders. So to your yeah, point, I mean, so, you're not a Putin I mean, sympathizer. It's, it's, it, it's kind of a, no, I'm not a Putin sympathizer. I just hate tyranny, whether it's in Moscow or uh, or here in, in, in my own country. Right. It's, the, it's, it's a reverse of Mel Gibson's great line in The Patriot, um, which is we are now trading um, one tyrant 2,000 miles away for 2,000 tyrants one mile away. Yeah. You know, exactly. and I'm, I'm frankly far more threatened by Karen in the cul-de-sac with her EV and um, 
and her mean people suck bumper sticker. Uh, and you know, um, her, 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 her confidence that she knows how to live my life better than I do. I'm more threatened by her, frankly, than I am by Vladimir Putin, yeah. which, which by the way, is not a statement exonerating Vladimir no, it's Putin. Not, but the thing is, it is a statement indicting the level of tyranny that's been ingested into our own. They country. want to make it so that if you say just what you said, you're suddenly a Russian simple or, you know, right. anti-American. I mean, it's like, it's ludicrous, but of course this is the play to limit speech, limit, you know, critical thinking because critical thinking will be not rewarded, will be punished and you will be isolated and ostracized. And again, they're playing on our need to be accepted, social acceptance. And for me, this is a deficiency of a relationship with God that we could be mm -hmm. deceived. So, because when you have that yep. strong relationship and grounding in the spirit, you're not going to care what people think of you at all because you're walking with God. And 10,000% correct. I think that's also why so many people, you know, in the West, because of our Judeo Christian uh, underpinning our moral traditions, uh, life was not based on the quality of life was not based on a survival right. I mean, we didn't, we, we protected life. We weren't looking to recklessly end it for no reason, but it was based on the significance of what you did with the time that you actually had. I mean, I would argue as a Christian, the most the 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 most impactful person that's ever lived is Jesus Christ. He lived 33 years physically on the earth. It's, it, regardless of whether you're a Christian or not, you cannot argue it is at the very least among the most impactful lives ever lived. I mean, we essentially changed how we tell time based on the life of Christ. You may not you may believe he's God, you may not. You cannot deny the historicity though of the impact of his life. Mm -hmm. And it was only 33 years. Well, we've removed that now, Robert. And so now, now people, let me just, let me just exist. Yeah. Life is a survival rate. Let me give up going to my Nan, Nan Pop's funeral. Let me let Nana die alone in a nursing home. Let me not have my kids not have a graduation or a prom. Let's do a Zoom wedding. The kinds of major benchmarks that make life worth living, that make the difficult aspects of life worthy of persevering through the moments we put in our photo albums. The, the the no one I, I we just buried my father-in-law last summer uh, who was 101st airborne i looked at all those gravestones in the military uh funeral uh plot no no one no one had on there lived longer than anybody else they all had on there loving husband loving wife loving daughter the, the stuff that's meaningful that, that leaves legacies yeah. but now now the idea of i, I fear what might come after death right. so I'm, I'm i take no risk i'm simply just a survival rate I do nothing. Uh, my, the point of life is not to, to love and be loved and to know and be known. It is simply to merely exist. And I fear that my existence will come to an end, not in a way that says, don't throw your life away, but really to say, I'm afraid that there's nothing after this, or I'm afraid that there might be. Well, and the fear of death is really a fear of living as we see that. And this, uh, I'm going to say it, retarded attempt to, to plug yourself into a computer to live forever like these transhumanists believe. Mm -hmm. uh, you're only a robot, really? Uh, mm -hmm. It's sad, but I get you have the freedom to believe that. But man, what does it lead to? Just abject slavery and misery. And so your point is so uh, hopefully well taken that we're here to live and make memories and and do extraordinary things. And and those, you know, how do you judge your life? You know, how much you're loved, how much you love. And and for me, that's a yardstick that is much more meaningful than whatever you accumulate in terms of materialistic goods. And, you know, our country has been very wealthy artificially to some degree since the, uh, the, the 13, well, uh, 1913 in the Federal Reserve Act. But suffice it to say, we could have pretty much even the poorest among us, you know, cell phones often would have vehicles and could do a lot, never 
wanted for anything, hunger. They could eat anything at the corner store, even if it wasn't food. So you were filling your belly. And yet we lost the value of life itself in the, in the process because things got so easy. And I think about what's happening now, and I think maybe it's not punishment, but it's happening to remind us of what's important, that it's happening for us, not to us. I think it's very well said. I, one of the things that really proved to me once and for all, we are in, we're, we're at DEFCON 1 on a cultural level, is for, for social conservatives like me lamenting how decadent the culture has become, when the lockdowns first began, Robert, I was actually banking on our decadence. That I, I thought, you know what, there's no way hmm. that people are going to say, I'm not, I, I don't know when I'm ever going to go watch a Marvel movie at the theater ever again. There's no way they're going to, there's going to sign up for that. Maybe you'll get them for a few weeks, but after a while, man, if they don't see like literally a scene out of a bad 80s miniseries where bodies are being burned in the town square, all right, people are going to be like, I want to go back to Disney World. Uh, people are going to be like, you know, um, I want to go back to the bar, all right? The, the decadence that had become so ingrained in American culture, just sit home and await further instructions. I thought for sure, eventually, the, the American zeal for decadence would eventually take over and people would say, hell no. And the, the opposite happened. People instead said, yes, I will sit here and await further instructions. And that tells you now that we are really at the final stage of devolution here. That when even the stuff that appeals to us in a fleshy way outside of a of a of any sort of spiritual significance, the kind of stuff you fill your life with, or what other generations would call idols, the kind of stuff you fill your life with in order to make up for, um, albeit in a counterfeit way, to make up for spiritual uh, you know significance, when those even get taken away from you. And you are content. I mean, France right now is literally in a meltdown over raising the retirement age by a couple of years. Yeah. All right. When when the average American said, I, I will, I'll just completely sit here, take everything away from me that I used to define what it means to be for me to be an American in a decadent, prosperous culture. Take it all away and I'll just sit here and await further instructions. That tells you now that we have gone beyond being undone by our own decadence, but that we essentially now do view government as God and the state is the church. Mm -hmm. And we now will wait for its deliverance. And that's, that's when you're on your, that's when the light at the end of the tunnel for a culture is an oncoming train. Well, thank God, Steve. It's not everyone here, obviously in this audience, probably your audience as well. And those that are planning to come out to the, we, the Patriots USA event in Boise, uh, Idaho. Uh, it, but it also means we have a, a great responsibility, as I know Jonathan E. Mord feels it as well. It's not delusions of grandeur that we have, but a recognition that we have a sphere of influence and we want to impact it positively, inspire others to restore that which is truly important and that which the foundation, I think, of this country is truly amazing and unprecedented in, in recorded history. And I recognize, too, where we have not lived up to those high ideals many times in our history. I'm, I'm not delusional about that. But at the same time, I don't abandon that which is right and good because of the things we haven't done well or at all. Right. Well, that's a great, that's a point that needs to be made that, that, that you just made there. How would we know that we didn't live up to our, we weren't living up to the right values and virtues? By the very values and virtues, that it was the very values and virtues we're turning our back on right now that informed us of this, that convicted our conscience, hey, this is not what, slavery is not what all men are created equal means, mm -hmm. okay? It's, you didn't say some, you didn't say most, you said all. 
The very values and virtues that we're turning our turning away from is what informed our conscience in the past when we fell short in, in, as a country. And so if we're going to if we're going to abandon those values and virtues, what's the new value and virtue then to each according to his abilities for each according to his needs? Uh, you just hate grandma. Shut up and do what you're told. I mean, if so, if we're not going to have the Judeo-Christian one, what do we, I guess we'll have a, a Marxist utilitarian one. What, then what will be the new value and virtue system that will instruct and inform the conscience if it's not going to be the one that actually gave birth to the freest and richest country in the history of creation? That's a question that rarely gets asked and even more rarely they have to answer. Yeah. I want to ask you about this movie, Nefarious, and, and it's based on, I think, a novel you wrote uh, and uh, using, I guess, fictionalized versions of reality to kind of reflect back on us uh, what is happening, and maybe it's a bit prophetic, but can you tell me about this? And we're going to play the trailer if you don't mind. You can set this up, and then I might ask you some questions about it afterwards. But what what's the story here on Nefarious? So back in 2016, I'm, I, I published a book that I meant to be a sequel homage to C.S. Lewis's classic, A Screwtape Letters, called The Nefarious Plot. And it's written by a, a demon, uh, a, a high lord of hell named Lord Nefarious, who was tasked by the devil with the destruction of the United States. And in this book, he lays out how we did it. Real names, real movements, real events in history, connects dots. And he puts it in our face to convince us or to convince his master, the devil, that our unwillingness to, to heed his warning, to turn back from the path we're on, will prove to his master, the devil, that the plan he put in place has been successful and he did what his master asked. Mm -hmm. And um, we sold the movie rights to that book later in the year. Uh, and then we started working on this movie in 2020. The movie that is in theaters now across the country, it's called Nefarious. It is the prequel to the book. It shows where the demonic manuscript to the book came from. And it takes place on death row in Oklahoma, where there is a, a, a terrible occultic serial killer there who on the day of his execution files an emergency appeal on the grounds that he was demonically possessed So when he did these crimes, so he can't be held directly accountable. The court, of course, because it's secular, just disavows the spiritual stuff and immediately assumes that this is an insanity defense and sends in an atheist psychiatrist, because unless you're booking Jordan Peterson, there's literally no other kind. So they send in an atheist psychiatrist to come in and do the evaluation of this killer. And much of the movie you're going to see is that evaluation take place in real time. Think Clarice and Hannibal Lecter in Silence of the Lambs. And what's going to happen to this atheist uh, a psychiatrist is his worldview by the end of this film gets absolutely wrecked. He thinks he's the smart one. He thinks he's answered. He has Gnostically answered all the questions of the universe. And he is the people we have been waiting for. And by the end of this movie, he's going to learn the true origin of his worldview. Dude, you've got me pumped to see this movie now. Let's check out the trailer. It's Nefarious by Steve Day. Speak of the devil. Check it out. Execution scheduled for 11 p.m. But he's trying to convince us he's gone insane. And therefore incapable of being executed. I need you to prove he's faking it. Edward? I'm gonna ask you some questions. I'm not Edward. I'm a demon. Demons aren't really a thing. What happened to Edward? We own him. 
we? <laughs> He's a master manipulator. You have your head so twisted around, you think you're the killer, not him. Now give me something to make me believe you. Prove to me you're a demon. Probably just a coincidence. I want to talk to the real Edward. Makes me do bad things. I can't stop him. I need you to see something. You got a fan. Did the same thing with all his victims. Help me! I'm trying to, Edward, but you have to answer my questions. You have to tell me the truth. It won't let me! It can go away. It can go away. Yes? No. It's starting to happen. Can you feel it, James? Can you feel it? I think it's time we tell you exactly what it is that we'd like you to do. Dude, Steve, holy tamole, this is high-level filmmaking. This is not, uh, you know, I, I, I'm just blown away by this. I haven't seen this trailer before. I read about it, and what I'm seeing here is spectacular. I, how did you get involved in such a high-level project based on your own writings? This is on, almost unreal. We just, we strived to do something that has rarely been done in faith-based filmmaking. Now we're doing it more often the last couple of years, mm -hmm. but we didn't set out to check any worldview boxes. We didn't contrive. First of all, I literally put in my contract, no cheesy conversion scene. It's literally in my contract. Um, I, we, I wanted us to make a real movie from a Christian worldview. Um, not a Christian worldview making a movie. Uh, and so, you know, everything you see in the film or in the trailer is in the film, just maybe not necessarily depicted the way the trailer does. The trailer there is designed to bring people who aren't sure where they are spiritually into the theater where maybe we can challenge them a little bit. Um, but um, we wanted to make the best possible movie we could make and knew that our worldview would just come out naturally without trying to force it and make it very ham-fisted. And the the level of cinematography, the sound yeah. editing, it's all very top-notch. Even, it, it's funny, over we're, in, in the history of Rotten Tomatoes, Robert, Robert Tomato, Robert, Rotten Tomatoes is celebrating his 25th anniversary, the, the review aggregator. Yes. In the history of Rotten Tomatoes, no feat, there are documentaries that do this, but no feature film has a wider chasm between what the, av what the user rating is and what the, what the thermometer is with actual reviewers. We're at 33% with reviewers. We're at 97% with user reviews, well over a thousand of them. Well, we know the That's, bias, you know, these uh, uh, Rotten Tomato kind of uh, reviewers. Movies. Yes. We don't, we know that it's built in. They don't like anything yeah. of a spiritual bent. Nope. And if you read, if you read all their reviews, they can't argue with the quality of the filmmaking. Yeah. We made a very good I, film I, I, and it looks like a real I'm film. Stunned. They just all hate the worldview. Yeah, Steve, I'm yeah. just stunned with the quality of what I just saw in that trailer. And the, you know, you said the cinematography, the sound, the, the editing, all of that. I, I'm just, I can't wait to see this thing now. Uh, I was, uh, I was talking to Super Don about it. He had watched it before. I was thinking, is this a horror movie? Uh, is this Hannibal Lecter? He's like, it's more like that in terms of the the psychological. Uh, yes. Go back and yeah. forth, but uh, 
it seems to be, again, a brilliant stroke of, uh, you know, utilizing uh, what we call the creative arts for really uplifting, ultimately, for teaching, and and yet not doing it in a preachy way that drives people right. away. I, I think that's brilliant. I'm thrilled that this is out. Well, thank you very much. We're very, very proud of the film. People want to learn more about it, see more about it. Uh, look us up on Twitter. Hashtag nefarious movie is where you want to go. You can go to whoisnefarious.com and learn more about the film. And this week we've been in we've been in theaters now. We're heading into week four. Okay. And, and the industry didn't think we were going to make it past the first couple. So this is the week that's going to determine if we get squeezed out of theaters after this week or there's a chance we might actually be able to gain theaters well, let me just the say, following week, for, depending on how we perform. For all y'all so. watching on this live or, or very recent to the time it goes live on May the 4th when we're first airing this with Steve Dace, uh, I would say this weekend's movie uh, 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 recommendation is to go see Nefarious this weekend and Thank keep you. it in theaters. Absolutely. Uh, I, I, again, I'm sorry it took me this long to find it, <laughs> but uh, probably my good buddy Kevin Tuttle probably had something to do with uh, connecting us. And uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to meeting you in person at the uh, event in Boise, Idaho, coming up June 3rd and 4th. That's going to be uh, a great time, I think, of celebration, even though we acknowledge the things we've discussed today about the things that are nefarious that are going on around us, maybe from within us for some uh, but this national conference is coming up June 3rd, 2nd and 3rd in Boise, Idaho. I hope you'll get tickets to it. We have links up in the show notes and the upcoming events at robertscatbell.com. Steve, man, you're welcome here anytime. I enjoyed thoroughly our conversation. Uh, you you got it going on. And plus this movie now and the books, dude, impressive. Thank you very much, brother. Very much appreciate it for the kind words and uh, really enjoyed the conversation on my end as well. So God bless you and everybody in the audience. Yeah, since it is May 4th, I shall say it like this. Impressive. Uh, why yes. not? Most impressive. Most impressive. Yes. Exactly. Yes. Well done, Steve. Thanks for being on board. Look forward to seeing you soon. You bet guys. God bless. Right. Take care. All right. That's Steve Dace. What a, what an amazing guy to dude. Very impressive. Uh, not just saying it. Uh, I was blown away. I'm glad I didn't watch it to give you my real reaction. Super Don. I know you said, Hey, maybe watch it before this time. I didn't, I was just, uh, I, 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 I was, I was kind of, uh, um, I thought it was cool that when he was describing it, he, he mentioned, uh, Silence of the Lambs, because that's the exact same thing that I had popped yeah. in my head. Yeah. I was watching it, uh, that it, it kind of reminded me of that. So I like you. I am yeah, I'm I'm I want to figure out how to see this movie. Yeah. So if it's in theaters, find it, y'all. Support it. I think this is a great move. And it's kind of like Lee Allen Baker. You know, she talked about it last Sunday's broadcast, making movies outside of Hollywood that have meaning, that have purpose, that oh, yeah. you know, that have mission. Well, and, and and you know, he made a point there and it it, it kind of reminded me of the conversation that we i think it was yesterday mm -hmm. wasn't it where i was talking about how things have evolved over the years yeah so you know that you know the health freedom people and stuff you know 20 years ago were like this this group of people over here and now it's just like boom and oh. it would it the, the the government and and their their buddies their cronies yeah. Uh, pushed and pushed and pushed and poked yeah. and prodded uh, the people to the point where they just said, okay, enough is enough. Mm -hmm. And now they've gone supernova. Mm -hmm. And now they've created movie, you know, uh, uh, yeah, studios and they're creating. Uh, it's just awesome. It's Very just exciting. really, really super cool. Which leads to our question of the day, does it not? While we have a couple of minutes do left. Do we have time for that? I don't think we do. Okay, I will we'll forego the uh, the the bugles and the trumpets. There we go. Yes, let's do that. This is uh, hello, Mr. Bell. This is Samuel, Hannah's husband. Uh, seeing as how you are so knowledgeable on the topic of antibiotics, I have a question for you. I will have an appointment. Uh, let's see, 
with BioHealth Clinic in Switzerland to extract the titanium implant, one root canal tooth, and then replace them with zirconium implants. Those are much more inert. Uh, all right. For this procedure, their protocol requires antibiotic infusion, IV dexamethasone once every four days. Normally, I do not want to take any antibiotics, and I will have to sign a paper stating that it will be my responsibility if I do not take the antibiotics. However, they say that by taking it by IV, it's not the same as taking it orally. What are your thoughts on this, and what would you recommend homeopathically since I do not want to take the antibiotics? All right, uh, let's stop there, and I'll read the last bit. And by the way, Samuel is from France. Who knew that we have listeners in France where they're having all kinds of rebellion going on because of the uh, the welfare system at, at the end of life is, is you know, extending the, when they do that. But uh, Samuel, thank you for writing in and, and for your wife, Hannah. Uh, look, this is an unusual circumstance, Super Don. When they go in, I saw you there. I was going to talk to you and then you went away. Okay, fine. Here I am. You've had dental stuff. You probably said you need more dental stuff one mm -hmm. day too. I understand. I went through it as well. Now I had the tooth, the, the, the wisdom tooth pulled. Uh, that had just got, I couldn't hold it together as, as many decades I did. I finally had to give up on it, but I didn't take any antibiotics, but I utilized bioactive silver hydrosol and in the procedure, ozone was used as well. Uh, but what's happening here is there's a CYA aspect, cover your, your aspirin aspect of, of dentistry that says, all right, we're going to basically do a surgical procedure on you. We're going to open you up. You're going to bleed. That means fluids are going to have, and things are going to have access to area through your vasculature and lymph that would normally be there when everything's intact. So the risk assessment that they come up with is that we must put you on an IV antibiotic to protect you from what they call an inevitable likelihood of an infection because the bacteria and stuff is going to be spread. So I am not going to yell and scream at these dentists for saying it, for believing it, because there is a legitimacy to their knowledge base that that's the way they have to do it to protect you. Samuel. Now, if you have what we call a biologically trained dentist, it is possible that there are some here in the United States, maybe around the world. Uh, if you go through IAOMT and there are other groups that have uh, references to these folks, that they may have found ways that they can reliably uh, do this kind of procedure and not have to resort to antibiotics. But this one is not one, although it seems to be they're saying if you sign a waiver that you're going to take responsibility, you're not going to sue us because we didn't, that you have that as an option. Now, I cannot make that decision for you, Samuel. I'm sympathetic very much so with your plight and wanting you to avoid them. But their argument that by giving it intravenously, it's different than taking it orally. To some degree, that there's elements of truth there. Because the direct GI interface with the microbiome and all that it does is different through the blood. Although the blood travels and transits everywhere, so it's going to deliver that antibiotic everywhere too. But it is different. What I do, what I would do, of course, is take the two classic remedies I keep coming back to, hypersulfur, calcarium, and phosphorus, homeopathically. I would be flooding my body with bioactive silver hydrosol, probably the Argentin 23. I would be doing a teaspoon every waking hour, honestly, leading up to the day of and uh, as, as close soon after the procedure, continue to flood the body with the silver. Now, there are physicians that are using these things off-label intravenously. The company cannot acknowledge that because it's a dietary supplement as it's manufactured and, and marketed. But there are physicians and some dentists utilizing it that way as, a, as well as they are using ozone and even sometimes, sometimes hydrogen peroxide. So there are ways to neutralize infection without resorting to these IV antibiotics. But I can't instruct you to definitively do that. You have to prey on it but I would saturate my tissues and I would find another way to saturate the tissues 
through off-label introduction of it as well. And that will act as efficiently or perhaps more so without any of the downside that we've talked about in regards to antibiotics. Now, if you do go elect to go with the antibiotics, it's not the end of the world. You can repair and rebuild. We've talked about that, whether it be from a gut-focused recovery and or a blood recovery, including the use of Cardio Miracle would be very beneficial and helpful. Uh, so there's some other things to consider here, but I know we're at the end of the show. The last thing he says is we listen to nearly all of your podcasts and enjoy following you. We are so grateful for your advices and the truth you speak. You have had a great impact on our family. Thank you, Samuel from France. God bless you, Samuel, and your wife, Hannah, and any children you have. Thank you for being a part of this, what I call the United States and World of Health Talk Media, the, the best kept secret. And if you guys keep sharing it, we won't be the best kept secret, and I'll have to deal with it. So we'll super done. So get ready. Just deal with it. Bonus round coming up after this. If you've got questions about what just came through or anything we did today, thanks to Steve Dace. Thanks to Jonathan Emord. Thanks to all y'all. The power to heal is yours. Oh, what a cool show today, Super D. Yeah. I, I like it. By the way, Dace. 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 We no, got the I, correction on that from uh, on Rumble. I got it late in the show, was, but. Dace okay. and not Dees. I integrated. It, it looks like Dees. It, yes, you know, it's does. like peace with a, with a D instead of a P. Yeah. So. I, I liked, interestingly enough, going into that interview not knowing much about Steve. And I know mm -hmm. he's done he's done really well. He's very successful. But he's a bright guy. I just wanted to see what he was about. And it was very clear what he's about. And I liked it. We had a good time with him. And uh, yes, my apologies. It's Dace, not Dees. I corrected myself halfway through. But yes, you did. regardless, here we are. Uh, I knew of him. Yeah. I'd heard his name. I knew he was in radio. You know, when you're in radio, back when we yeah, were in radio, sure. uh, that, uh, you know, you kind of know the names of the other people that are in that uh, industry at the yeah. same time that you are. Um, but I'd never, I'd never listened to him. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I will be now. Uh, he's very, very intelligent, well-spoken. Uh, you, can, you can tell why he's had the success that he's had. So... Cool dude. Very cool dude. I, I just enjoyed it. Now I'm very intrigued by that movie. Absolutely. Yeah, it doesn't look good. I, I was just stunned by the trailers. Yeah, the trailer's amazing. So I'm going to have to look around and see where I can find that. So there you go. Yeah, I know you're in rural Oregon. It might be harder to find Probably it. not here, but who knows? Yeah, I'll, I'll see what I can do. We'll have to check it out in our area. Yeah. Uh, there's a number of movies. I just hadn't had time to go out to the movies, and I do like going to movies, but... I haven't been in a while because it's just yeah. been no time to do it. The little time we no, have no. off, I'm like, I just want to sit at home and hang out even, with my wife. Even you know? when you were a little kid, with yeah. it being May the 4th, I like your story Dude. there about uh Do you remember Harbors, that? Huh? I, I do remember that. I have to talk about this, Super D, and I want to hear your story as well because uh, about a year before, maybe six months before, there was a uh, an article in, I don't know whether it was... um Newsweek or Time or one of those, you know, those, you know, full color rag magazines, you know, that used to actually have subscriptions for. And if it was people, I don't know, but it was full color, these images from this forthcoming movie they called Star Wars. Mm. I was reading about it. I'm like already intrigued. And remember Liam Sheff, our good buddy, dude, he was you know, obviously, he, we would all reference Star Wars. He wrote a comic about the making of Star Wars, what it was based on. I, I remember that. Yeah. Remember that? Uh, but you know, it impacted a lot of us at that time. And, you know, all the new versions of star Wars never have had the impact. I don't believe of it because they turned them into, you know, kind of Hollywood fluff and they, they lost the magic of the force. Yeah. There was a feel it's, and an energy yeah. and a, and a just, uh, yeah. just a, a feel from the original three. 
So I, I remember mm-hmm. going, be anticipating this movie coming out. Now, at the time, we didn't know anything about May the 4th, be with you or anything. I mean, but we had, you know, the st- they had buttons. I think I had a button that said, may the force be with you at a certain point at that <laughs> time. Yeah. And Back when buttons were a thing, yeah, right? you put them on your jeans jacket. Yep. And so I was just excited and anticipated to go see this movie. And again, I remember my dad taking us to see the movie and there were lines wrapped around the theater back in the day when there was like one, you know, few major theaters in a city, everybody would try to go and you'd have to get there in time to get there. There was no online ticket ordering. It was just, you get there and you stood in line and it was packed and I was just like blown away the moment they started scrolling with the thing. So just remembering that here all these years later, uh, what that was for a kid, you know, of 11 years of age, you were probably what, nine years at that? I, yeah, I'm, I'm three years younger than you. Eight, so. eight or nine. So yeah. I don't know where, where you were at in that regard at 11, I'd, you know, preteen, you're like, wow, you're starting to yeah. science fiction fans. I can't remember if, if I saw it in the theater or not. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I do remember seeing it and, and just being amazed by the, the special effects. Mm-hmm in that movie it was so ahead of its time as far as special effects go yeah nothing nothing had had any kind of special effects like that uh before and stuff but um i, I yeah i remember you know growing up and you had the the three and then then you're right then when they moved on to the new ones it there was new technology new special effects and, and stuff like that the acting was different um yeah i still i still have enjoyed them though mm-hmm you know, it's just on a different level. Yeah, it just it didn't yeah. have the impact. I mean, look, religions have been founded based on you know the force, right? The Jedi religion is an official religion oh, yeah. in the United Kingdom. Uh, you're you're a big fan of the of the Jedi. In fact, uh, quite often you haven't done it in a while, but uh, I remember back in the day you used to do a pretty good Yoda impression. That's right. Yeah, we we would throw that out there occasionally. I don't know if I'm yeah. prepared to wreck my voice on Actually, it. Actually, right I've now. got I've got a, a, a something something I can show you here. Check this out. This is this is Robert Scott Bell as Yoda. <laughs> Wrong that is. Isn't that impressive? No, that was not impressive. You'll no? never let me live that down. It's a frightening cartoon face I made, and I still don't know how, why I did it. But yes, but you, you are a fan of Yoda, of course. For yeah. some, for I mean, I, I take it that that's like the the one that you your favorite character in in Star Wars. Or am I wrong? I don't. You know, I just don't think of. I don't think. Oh, who's my favorite character? It just doesn't occur to me. No? I, the whole that was the whole experience. The so whole thing. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, going back to the origins. To, anyway. Cool. Uh, Fun, fun show as well. Good stuff we got. Uh, I love the fact, and, and it's not surprising to me about Jonathan E. Ward, right? He brought up the issue of, uh, you know, immediately putting in a, a submitting a, a law at the federal level to to halt all, you know, mutilations of, of, of uh, below 18. You know, we talk about gender reassignment surgeries and yet defends the right of someone who's an adult to decide if they want to do that. That's consistent. And then as it relates to the abortion issue, not being a federal level, but a state issue, he was perfectly well uh, ready to respond and, sh- and share the distinct differences into why it, you know, on one level you could do that at the federal level and not the other. And uh, just like I said, the depth of uh, Jonathan's knowledge, his thoughtfulness about this and even the abortion issue, if you've ever seen him talk about it, uh, it's quite, um, quite impressive. It's uh, impressive, just very impressive, but it's, it's rooted in principle. It's rooted in, in the historical knowledge and fact, et cetera. And uh, just, uh, it's delightful to be able to engage in those discussions. So I hope y'all enjoyed it too. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. 
Oh, Diane has a uh, comment about the uh, dental question. Let me see if we can put this up there right now. I'll click that. What does it say? There, it went away. Or did I? Oh, here we go. There should pop up. There it is. I recently had a molar pulled. My dentist had me take grapefruit seed extract plus a homeopathic blend instead of antibiotics, no infections. There you go, Diane. That's evidence. There are dentists out there that are willing to do these things. Now, again, it might be a more invasive surgery that uh, our friend from France described uh, that as I said, I, I, as much as I am not a fan of antibiotics, I recognize the unusual circumstance when you're violating the multiple layers of protection in the immune system of the body to do a surgical procedure that they, it could be warranted. However, if you understand how to utilize these other substances, including the bioactive form of silver, flooding those areas, that you could navigate that without even those antibiotics. I believe that is true. We've done it. You've done it, Diane. So I just put it out there as an option, but I obviously I can't be your doctor. Um, and on the show, I don't give you advice. I provide information for you to make a more, hopefully fully informed decision about how to move forward in your health. So mom liked the show today. Hi, mom. Love you. All right. Mom will be coming in for, uh, Ari's, uh, graduation a couple of weeks. Now show Robert as Chewbacca. No, Steve, don't give him any ideas. I thought, how do you do that? I, I thought that, uh, I, th I, I like the Yoda. I think the Yoda. Dude, I don't like cool. what you're doing with that face, no. but maybe it's better. I attempted a Jar Jar Binks. No, thank you for not doing that. No, that's just, that it, just doesn't. Yeah, it, it didn't quite work. But I need a funny picture of you now. Not that I could do anything with it, but just like, I got to have something on you. I got nothing now. Yeah, sorry. Crazy. Chewbacca, huh? Yeah. I don't know. No Chewbacca. Well, maybe if I don't shave, it might look, no, it wouldn't even come close. <laughs> Oh my gosh. All right. What else is going on? Anything else going on on rumble chat since we can't see it directly? Uh, what was that? Yeah. You know, these, these names that, that people have, I don't know. Is it e grab for e grab for oh, yeah. he's uh, e grab was the one that said that they would e grab. Vote yeah. Uh, love Steve, Steve Dace. Mm -hmm. He said, uh, or I don't even want to say he or she, yeah. uh, three brilliant minds in one show. Ours be e and Dace. Nice. Very so kind a, of you. A trifecta today. Uh, well, grab, join us on the AMA next time. Oh, speaking yeah, of the AMA, absolutely. can we look at that calendar again? Oh, hold on. He had one more comment here. Uh, or I keep saying he, yeah, I'm, I'm a misogynist. I'm sorry, <laughs> right? Uh, eGrab4 says, I battled a post surgical infection after battling a bacterial infection requiring IV antibiotics and a pick uh, Excellent. for yeah. eight weeks of wow. three types of staff, including MRSA. <sighs> My prayers have been uh, with Steve Dace. Yeah. So, so is that person saying that they suffered that way or Steve suffered that way? I wasn't I sure. It says I battled. So that would okay. be, All right. yeah, you grabbed four. Gotcha. And cabin 234. Thank you for, for hanging out with us as well. Yeah. Thank you for being here. All right. All right. So what was your, I'm looking at, gosh, darn it. See that weekend out of town would have been the perfect that you're going out. So I can't ask you to do the AMA that day because you're, you're doing family stuff. Yeah. So let's so, just do a Monday. We got to do a Monday again. Yeah. We'll do a Monday again this month. Um, let's see then. We're looking at the 22nd then okay. of May. So sorry, all that wanted us to do a Saturday. It's just not working this month. Um, next month, we'll try again for uh, June to do a Saturday uh, AMA for our patron supporters. And there's so many cool things on there uh, that uh, those of you who are patron supporters, you're very kind and you, you kind of share that with others to say, hey, come on board. And the Zoom AMAs once a month are fun because. Not only do we get to ask each other questions, just not me, but you guys share 
and help each other. And we get to give away some awesome, awesome gifts. And oftentimes it far exceeds whatever you're supporting us with. And that's not a complaint. I'm grateful that I can do it. That's thanks to some of our sponsors like Sovereign Silver who has been supporting us uh, behind the scenes in a lot of ways. And uh, they are Sovereign Copper, which is so amazing. Also, shout out to Bobbery. I talked with him. He was also in contact with um, Frank Cousineau. Uh, you know, I mentioned the Cancer Control Society's annual convention. Super Don, if you can find Cancer Control Society online and see if they have, they've not been one for great graphics over the years, but if they have a website for their, um, I can't always want to say Memorial Day, but it's Labor Day event. It uh, looks like I am invited to speak and broadcast an interview from. So that is Glendale, California, the LA Basin. Um, <laughs> I love it. You go, you go and you, you, uh, Let's say on this one, uh, mm -hmm. I'm using the Edge browser, mm -hmm. so the search engine is Bing. Mm -hmm. I type in Cancer Control Society, and the first thing that pops up? The American Cancer Society. American Cancer Society. Of course, yes. yeah. All right. Cancer Control Society. Is this the right one? I guess there's only one, right? Yeah, there should only be one. Controlsociety.org? Yeah. Um, their website actually looks a lot better than from what I remember in the past. Yeah, I remember it was it was kind of old timey. So it was kind of a so do they have the dates for the twenty twenty three in Glendale? Let me uh, see California here. announcements. Let's see what they got under announcements here. Forty eighth annual cancer convention postponed, but definitely not canceled. Oh, this was in March. So let's see what's going on here. Uh, maybe this has there been an update? That, well, they obviously haven't updated it if that's the only place. Yeah, that's on announcements. March 29th, they said that it had been postponed. But that was, what, March, April, yeah. May, like a month and a half ago. So Yeah, we're definitely on. As I talked to Frank the other okay. night. And we're All right, so, on. yeah, they don't have it on the website yet. So it's Labor Day weekend, Glendale, California. So share that, that we're going to be together down there in Southern California. Okay. And the, the book ends is that Memorial Day weekend is Advanced uh, Medicine Conference. Dot com, Dr. Batar and others. Yes, sir. What is Brian? Brian Festa is asking uh, for, da, 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 please. Da, da, da. Do I have to submit my speaking thing already? Electrical hardware internet. That's nice of them. Brian's doing it right, looks like. So, yeah, that's the uh, one in uh, June 2nd and 3rd. And Steve Dace will be there as well. Looking forward to great reunions and, and meeting new folks at that event. In Boise, never been to Boise. I think there's a lot of good organic farm-to-table food, if I remember reading about that that city. That could be a good foodie weekend. Yeah, Friday when I'm fasting till dinner. Then then it'll be the foodie time. So. All righty. Let's see what we got Coming up here. I got Scott Shera send me an email. Hospitals and healthcare facil facilities are federally mandated killing fields, the proof of our defense. Um, so they, he recorded, you recorded, who was he on with on that, that show recently? Say that one oh. more time. Uh, hospitals and healthcare facilities are federally mandated killing fields, the proof in our defense. This is Scott Shera, their latest on Rumble. He did a video by himself. It wasn't with a guest. It was okay. just something he recorded himself. So let me drop that in for everybody to see here. Copy that. Let's see, copy link. So if you guys want to see the message from Scott Shera, dropped it in there. And I'll drop it into our chat room at robertscabell.com slash listen. 
and return. Jim is asking Monday, which date? 22nd, May 22nd. May 22nd. So that would mean, do we do it at 7 o'clock Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific? I think that's right. Yeah. Yep. So 22nd of uh, May will be the next AMA, and then we'll try to move it to a Saturday in June. So we try to flip-flop a weekday to a weekend. All right, so I dropped uh, Scott Sherris thing, the Rumble thing as well. Thank you for everybody that's watching and sharing on Rumble. Uh, uh, share the show. We you don't necessarily make it into, although Rumble seems to be a little bit different because we have appeared on their front page a few times now, uh, mm-hmm. so they don't tend to actively censor messages like ours, which is great. No, Maybe I'm very happy with that. Rumble. Yeah. It's been pretty amazing, yeah. Yep, they are, they are definitely a, uh, a good alternative to... A better alternative. Yeah. To Dude, you, you were you were just nailing it on that HCG vaccine, the you know the uh, anti-pregnancy vaccine. Yeah. Nicely done. You ask the right questions, you get the right answers. I mean, there's sometimes. You know, I, I mean, can... look, I understand people's concerns about stuff like Chat GPT and stuff like that, and definitely yes, bad people use. Ba- it doesn't matter. It, mm-hmm. You know, we could sit here and draw an analogy, although it's it's there, it, it's accurate, but not uh, mm-hmm. totally. Yeah. on anything like like guns or something like guns don't kill people right. bad people using guns kill people right ai isn't going to kill people bad people using ai for bad reasons can kill people right or well, well hopefully not kill people but use it for bad reasons you know what i'm saying i don't know i mean i think that this is why it gets very dilemma filled because the idea of artificial intelligence means it can act without human interface that well it depends because mm-hmm. there's different that what chat GPT. No, chat okay. GPT is not going to knock on your door and shoot you. Yeah. Okay. It's a whole different situation. You know, it's, I can't remember what it's called. It's, it's advanced general intelligence. It's a, it's a different type of AI. Okay. Which is a kind that, that they can learn and become, you know, potentially self-aware. Yeah. Uh, chat GPT is not chat GPT is like an awesome search engine basically that you know has far more capabilities and stuff so i use it for good reasons and for and for funny stuff yeah i uh i i do i can't help it but um does that mean that you know that that, uh you don't have anything to worry about no but you know what it's here it's not going anywhere Mm -hmm. and there are things i can use it for that would be beneficial like tearing apart the idea of a uh, birth control vaccine yeah no you use it for good purpose i'll acknowledge that um, but the poetry that it wrote, which was funny, I you know, have to do. Uh, it's, it, it pales in comparison to the poet laureate we have from down under right, yeah. in Australia. She's written some brilliant ones. Yeah, you are correct. And apparently, I guess she's working on a new poem. Um, I, I issued a challenge last time that she did one. Okay. And said, "Hey, why don't you write one just about the show? And it would be like one that we could we could put out there. Uh, you know, that would encourage people to you know check out the Robert Scott Bell show. And you and I." <laughs> Are, I volunteered you for this, of course. Uh, okay. You are you and I are going to to uh, do a, like a, a video of it of us reading it, reading it to like a, a rap beat type. Or do thing. we have to sing it? There won't be any singing. Okay. There won't be any singing. Although, um, I guess I'll just be glad that perhaps mm-hmm. and don't get nervous about this. Um, yeah. Perhaps uh, I may get my hands on some video of you dancing. Oh, you still think that's going to happen, do you? I, I, I'm working on it. Dude, it's like there's never a, a, a level of embarrassment that you can't throw out at me, can you? You know what? The whole, listen, you're the one that made the dancing thing a thing. 
Okay. Do you remember this? We talked sure, about this back several times over the years. Yeah. Where you were like, yeah, I went to this event or something like that. And I was dancing. I'm like, is there video? No, no, there will never be video ever of me dancing. I will, that will never happen in a million years. Mm -hmm. And I hadn't thought about that until recently when well, Nutritional Frontiers, uh, and Jamie, you know, they we're on said the that and I was like, oh man, are you kidding me? This is like 18 years in the making here. So we'll see. We'll be the white man's overbite. We'll see. <laughs> uh, we'll say some white men can dance. Yes, it's true. Some can jump. <laughs> yes. So, all right. All right. Any other questions or comments out there? What's going on? As far as free speech goes, YouTube should be renamed as Fumble, Steve says. Fumble. Fumble? Instead of Rumble, Fumble for YouTube. Yeah, they did. They definitely fumbled the free speech ball. That's for sure. Yeah. yeah, I mean, listen, YouTube's too big to fail. I mean, they they just you know they there's a lot too many cat videos and stuff on there and stuff like that. And that's fine. I use I still use YouTube, you know, all the time for various things because that's where everything is basically. But yeah, um, they did not do us right. So I'm glad for something like Rumble. And I know you know, dude, there were so many um, platforms that just yeah. Showed up when YouTube started censoring people, and I just, you know, That's everybody the, had a lot of people you. going, "Hey, you should go on this one, go on that one." I'm just like, you know, I mean, it could, but what's the point of being somewhere where nobody, you know, the majority of people aren't at? Then Rumble came around, and mm -hmm. for whatever reason, Rumble Rumble has has uh, landed. They did it? Yeah, they yeah. did it, and so very happy with them. The Rumble has landed. Yeah. We're glad to be there. Anything else we need to know? Q streaming, any updates there? No updates there that I'm aware of. Um, I just say, remember, all the banners are up there for a reason. They're good. The good things that we promote, yeah. we support. Let's support this message of health, freedom, and healing liberty when you come to robertscatbell.com. Click on any of them, learn about them, get the stuff we're utilizing, and see your life and health improved in the process. Yes, sir. All okay, right. So, so what we'll we got tomorrow. tomorrow? Tomorrow we have Julie Wentz on the show. We had her on the show uh, back in December. And she's a co founder of Arizona Stands Up and now the founder uh, and trustee minister of Freedom Healthcare. Nice. Uh, access to affiliate. Uh, uh, it's a different kind of type of healthcare system. Healthcare the way it should be. Spirit, mind, body. And okay. she wants to come on. She uh, wrote a message says, "Hey, I want to touch base again quickly and let you know that we have an international healthcare conference that they're hosting June uh, 9th and tenth, mm -hmm. and it's focused completely on healing modalities in the genres of spirit, mind, body, and food as a prescription." Right. Uh, so she'll be coming on to talk about uh, that event that's coming up. All right, everything else is wide open. Looks like it. Tomorrow's Friday. I know. And I'm actually not going anywhere, I don't think. You'll have a weekend, right? Yeah. I am going to be uh, uh, taping, I think, tomorrow morning. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that's this new docuseries Ty Bollinger is putting out called Remedy. And so I'll be busy in the morning, I think. Hopefully I won't be talked out, so be ready just in case. You've got an interview tomorrow with Bruce DeTorres. Who does? You do. Tomorrow? Yes. Or not, not tomorrow, Saturday. Sorry. Saturday. Yes. No, Saturday. I, yeah, I have that on it for, for, I think it's four o'clock mountain yep. on Saturday. So that's just an hour long interview. Mm -hmm. uh, so 
Yeah. All right, guys and gals, appreciate you hanging out with us. We'll have uh, Julie Wentz and the news of the day tomorrow. Appreciate you being here. And until then, you have yourself a wonderful, uh, what is today, Wednesday? Yes. Is wonderful it? Wednesday. No, it's not, you doofus. It's a no? Thursday. Oh, it's Thursday. Oh, so that would be no. a, a thrilling Thursday. Thrilling Thursday. Good alliteration. Good recovery. All right. Thanks, Super D. See y'all. Talk to you later.